Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 well. Pleasant good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Trace Valor, and this is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers, also known as UDF around this part of the country. Well, season's not dead. Diamondbacks, they lose 6-4 to to the Yankees. The Reds climb within two and a half. It's a little bit of a joke. With all seriousness, the Cincinnati Bengals found a way to win when it was ugly. And that's what good teams do, don't they? They knew, they knew the uh, scenario that was staring them right in the face on Monday Night Football, a packed Pacor Stadium, a whiteout of all things with the white stripes. We'll get into that. That's kind of a, actually one of, the, uh, one of the few off-the-field things that they've done around Pacor that I am all in on. The massive amounts of concrete that surround that stadium, perhaps I'm not, but ultimately the white stripes with the white logo in the middle, the lights, the whole thing, elite. Crowd last night, elite. Made a difference. It made a difference. On one hand, when you wake up this morning, how are you feeling? The offense looked relatively inept. But as they usually do, the defense, Lou Armadillo, He's going to get credit for me today. I got to be honest. I made a joke about it for quite some time, but today's the day where Lou, Lou, Lou Armadillo gets all the credit in the world. Matt Stafford would get uh, sacked six times by five different guys. Trey Hendrickson had two sacks. He had another sack that got taken away on a Sam Hubbard penalty. They forced two interceptions. They held the Rams out of the end zone until the very end of the game. And following that touchdown, they would secure the onside kick to preserve the win 19-16. Perhaps the biggest play of the game, in my opinion, was the opening drive. Rams look like they get a stop. They march right down the field. They do an end-around 35-yard touchdown, gets wiped off the board. And next thing you know, it's first and goal from the three. Matt Stafford would then do a play-action pass. And he took a terrible sack. And for all intents and purposes, the momentum shifted in Paycor right then and right there. The Rams would get held out of the end zone. They'd have to kick a field goal. And that was the difference in the game. Those four points right there was the difference in the game. Now, there was many plays to be made after that, of course. But it's ultimately, in the, in the NFL, when the margins are as small as they are, and they are razor small, as we all know, it usually comes down to who can get in the end zone and who can't when you get into the red zone. Now, for the longest time, neither side could. It was a field goal fest. I was fortunate enough, last minute, somebody sent me a text and said, hey, I have some tickets. I went into the stadium, didn't know what to expect. Next thing you know, Iowa and Wisconsin broke out. Two yards and a cloud of dust. 
50-yard field goals left and right. But I will say, genuinely, that Paycor Stadium made a difference. The crowd, the atmosphere, the energy. It's something with which if the Bengals can find a way, and I know it's a tall task this year, but in just in gener generality, if you will, that if the Bengals can find a way to play meaningful playoff games inside of Paycor Stadium, I genuinely think that can be the difference between winning by a field goal and losing by a field goal. I think we all somewhat felt that way. Maybe many people would, would proclaim that or they think that. That's a different animal down there now. It's a different animal down there now. It's, and, and I get the teams much better. I understand that. That makes, a, that's a, that makes a big difference. But what it used to be to what it is now at Paycor Stadium is, is light years ahead. So kudos to the crowd. Monday night, many people probably had to work on a Tuesday, but they showed up. <coughs> Season isn't dead. Season's saved. I don't know where you want to start, fellas, how you want to go. But I guess we'll just get your initial reactions around the room, how you're feeling today on this lovely Tuesday morning in the United States of America. Yeah, good morning. Hi, my name's uh, Reed Mouse. Woke up on the right side of the bed today. I've got blonde hair. My wife has blonde hair. We have two golden retrievers. Whenever I start making children, if one of them has brown hair, we'll probably just take them out to a field somewhere and just, just let them be. they got to have blonde hair in our household. But, guys, it was a, it was a good win. Uh, maybe, maybe good win isn't the right, right word because it was ugly, but they won. They won, and the defense answered the call that we've been saying all last week. They got pressure to the quarterback, and, and it showed its hand, right? They get to Matt Stafford six times, and the defense looks unstoppable. They get two turnovers, and they helped a troubling offense. And the offense, it, it's for me, I'll say this right now, it's much easier for me to get on the team when they win than when they lose because it feels like when a team loses – Everyone is down. Every single person is down. This is happening. This is going wrong. This is someone needs to be a positive light. And when the offense looks terrible for the first couple games, I, I was trying to be that positive light. But now that they've won, I could dig into this offense a little more. And it, it looks it looks very, very bad, right? They've got a hobble Joe Burrow and they throw the ball 50 times. And you know, I'm the guy that says that running backs don't matter, but when when he, when you've got a hobbled quarterback, you probably shouldn't be dropping back to pass 50 times in a game. That being said, the run game really wasn't there either. I mean, Joe Mixon gets the ball 20 times and has just around 60 yards. Um, Joe Burrow can't throw the ball downfield. He missed multiple receivers by wide margins. In fact, if Jamar Chase isn't on the Bengals, the Bengals don't win that game. Because Jamar Chase saved Joe Burrow multiple times in that ball game. I mean, I mean, a couple slants that were behind him. I mean, Joe just doesn't look like himself. But all that being said, <laughs> they won. They won. So you can take a deep breath because they're 1-2 and two now, not 0-3. And, and you shift towards the Tennessee Titans who are coming off a terrible loss. And you go down to Nashville this week and hopefully get back to 500. Elliot? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I told, you, I told everybody yesterday if the Bengals were to lose, I would have nothing. Because the Reds would be dead and the Bengals would be dead. So this helps me tremendously. I was downtown. I was working downtown with Bedford Sportsbook. Shout out Bedford Sportsbook, the greatest sportsbook known to man. So I stayed downtown. A couple of my buddies, we came up. We went to a bar. Um, and we were watching the game. The first half made me want to puke and die. But like last year, like the year before, it just seems like this team's a second-half team. They played a lot better. And even, even, even in the first half when it didn't seem like the offense was fully there, 
they were able to move the ball at certain points. I was able to see a little bit of progression uh, with Joe yeah. Burrow with everybody else. So that that made it better. That made it easier for me to watch. Saying that, I mean, they have to be better. I mean, the offense just has to score more points. 19 points a game isn't going to get you anywhere. So we got to get to we got to get to a point where Joe Burrow is clicking. I don't know if that's going to happen for quite some time due to this injury. If Joe Mixon's able to figure it out a little bit, I think we'll be okay still. I know Reed doesn't like that, but I, I do think that there is a part of football where if, you, if you're able to run the ball well, it's going to help the team. So Joe Burrow, or excuse me, Joe Mixon, if he's able to figure it out, and he, he had a good game. I mean, yesterday he had a great game. So I, I, if I'm looking back yesterday, Joe Mixon was a, was a large part of the reason we won that game, uh, apart from the defense as well. Defense came up big. So I'm, I'm happy. Bengals are back. Reds are dead, but the Bengals are back. So let's go Bengals. Who day? Going to have to beat the Titans now. Going to have to beat the Titans to get back to 500. But here we go. Casey? Yeah, I mean, uh, Bengals' offense did not look great. Um, Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow from the 0 to 10 yards. I'm throwing the football. I mean, he, he was just – he looked fine. Um, I got this next-gen graphic here that kind of illustrates that. I mean, he – didn't really throw too far past 10 yards, and when he did, didn't complete very many of those. Um, the thing that he's very elite at, those out routes around the sideline, putting the ball right where it needs to be, just wasn't there tonight or last night. It just And to be fair to him, like he, he wasn't under the greatest like he, he didn't have a lot a lot of help on the offensive line they were getting a lot of pressure home yeah, that's true. um obviously he can't move a lot in the pocket that was that was uh something that was very concerning as well there was a couple plays where zach taylor had him roll out and it just looked like he was hobbling out there just <laughs> it was walking um that was concerning but you know a win's a win and I'll take that, you know, that we got to win these games. We got to get to a winning record. And this is the stretch of the schedule where you need to play good enough to win ball games. You know, this is the easiest part of your schedule. So I'll, I'll take the win. And the one bright thing was their defense is back. And it might, yeah, it might be great. better. It might be better now with all the new blitzes that we're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dax Hill, that one sack was just incredible. I mean, Stafford didn't even finish his drop back before he was getting not, hit. Not, not a single Ram saw him. Not no. a single Ram saw Dax Hill. Went completely untouched. Went completely unseen. He's a ghost out there. Um, you, Casey, you, you mentioned the next-gen stats. Did you see the Jamar Chase route tree? It looked, it looked a lot better. The route trees looked a lot better there. I, I know you probably don't have those off the top of the hand. But, you know, Trace has been saying for for about a week now that the the – the eliteness of Joe Burrow is not there because he can't escape the pocket. And I will argue that Joe Burrow's best trait is actually his accuracy. And because of his calf, he can't throw the ball downfield, which limits his best, in, in my opinion, his best trait, which is his downfield accuracy. I mean, what was that stat? He's like one for 17 on down downfield passes at this part of the season because he's throwing with all arm. He has no plant behind him. But I digress. They won the game. Yeah, and we – We'll later ha on the show have some clips from uh, from our, our good friend Coach Kasky. Yeah. Um, he 
was so kind to send me four clips, and one of them actually illustrates and illustrates the problem with Joe Burrow not being able to use that back foot to get some power off of it. He's using a lot of his upper body to throw the ball, causing the inaccuracies. We'll get into that later on in the show. This offense has scored three points, 24 points minus seven. So my math's not great. That's 17 and then 16 <laughs> points. Um, clearly, everybody knows that's not going to get it done. They need to be better. But ultimately, they found a way to win yesterday in, in a game in which Joe Burrow continues to not look like himself. I don't know how long that's going to happen. Maybe it's uh, – there's, there's a multitude of things that can be, right? Yeah, obviously, we've, we've talked in circles on Monday about – um, our opinions on the whole situation. I still stand by what I believe. I do think that there's ways in which you can schematically try to find a way to score more than 19 points in the NFL. I don't care who you have a quarterback. Um, if you can't do that, then I, then I would say Zach Taylor's being exposed as a fraud. If you can't find a way to schematically score 20 points against the Rams, then I, then I would question the genius of Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, I think, is an elite within a leadership mentality or a role. When it comes to actual play designs and schematics to try to get guys open, I don't know what's there. I don't, I, I don't mean to sit here and sound like a guy that knows a ton about football because Zach Taylor certainly knows way more than, about football than I do, certainly. But at the same time, you watch one play – to where it was a well-designed play. It got Jamar Chase in single coverage and allowed Joe Burrow to roll out to his right, and he had a wide-open Jamar Chase for a 15- to 20-yard pass. It's hard for me to believe that there's only one play in the entire playbook that you can find that allows Jamar Chase to get that type of, uh, that type of coverage and that type of look and find ways to get him the ball. Yesterday, they made an emphasis to get Jamar Chase the ball, and it paid off. Jamar Chase is clearly, at this point, one of the best wide receivers in the league. You can always get into the debate of who the actual best is. But Jamar Chase is at the top of the list. He's at the very top of the list. Casey? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of illustrate how bare bones our offense has been, I thought last night they had a lot of new plays. <laughs> they right. were motioning Jamar Chase. There were, there's actually a play in there that I thought they had copied straight from Miami. I had seen Tyreek Hill run that exact same motion across the field with Jamar Chase running up down middle of the field. Um, I mean, I, I think they that meeting with Brian Callahan and Jamar Chase, they just said, all right, let's take a couple plays from this team, a couple plays from this team. We're going to run them, see how it works. I mean, when have we ever ran pistol? And much less run a play action off a of pistol. Yeah. So there's something there. Uh they're, they're trying to, new ways to get Jamar Chase the ball to be more dynamic of an offense. It's trending in the right direction, but it was very, it's still very bare bones compared to the rest of the league. I thought the uh, offensive line was fantastic last night, to be honest with you. I know that maybe you guys thought he got pressured, this, that, and the nature, but um, I don't know. Did you watch the other side of the ball? Did you watch Matt Stafford? It was more just Volson. Yeah, Cordell Volson had, had a bad game, but he's also playing against one of the guys. Yeah, I mean, that's not fair. One, yeah, so he's yeah, playing against Aaron Donald? That's right. not fair. Yeah, 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 I, mean, I got an idea. Maybe find a way to get multiple guys on Aaron Donald and then and then schematically come up with a way to, to, to try yeah. to game plan around that. I He got sacked twice, guys. 
If, if, if we're going to sit here and make a big deal about the offensive line when you get sacked two times with a guy that can't move, literally can't no move. No one made a big deal yeah, about the no, offensive no, no, line. No, no. can't move. A, you're getting worked up. No one made a deal. No one made a deal If you're not going to give the offensive line credit now, <laughs> then never tub. give them credit. Then just say they're terrible for the rest of their lives because that's where I'm at. I watched that game yesterday, and I thought, dude, this offensive line is actually really good. Joe Burrow's got time. And maybe it's just because it, maybe it's just because he gets the ball out in two seconds because they know he can't get hit. That's part of the problem, too. I would all, uh, and you know what? The other side of the aisle too. I wanted to get to about the Zach Taylor take is this: if it if it is to the case now where Zach Taylor is limited in what he can call based off of obviously the way that Joe Burrow can play, and it seemed like they were trying to be very very conservative yesterday in the standpoint that they did not want to have any long developing plays to allow Joe Burrow to get hit, get the ball out as quickly as possible, take the five yard gain, take the three yard gain. There was, the, there was the situation, yes, where they went into pistol. Joe Burrow rolled out of the pocket. But again, that was a play designed probably where if Joe Burrow realized that he was going to get sacked or he was going to have pressure, he could just throw the ball away like he did multiple times. At the end of it all, there's still major question marks that I personally have. This isn't to rain on a parade of, of, of a game that you saved a season on and they found a way to win and the defense deserves as much credit as anybody. But I still kind of get back to the question, which is, if this is the Joe Burrow you get, what are we doing? It's just not going to work. I hope he gets healthy because he needs to get healthy. Because when you watch the game, it is clear and evident that they're trying their best to make sure that they're limiting him as much as possible when it comes to extending plays or finding a way to make a big play. I don't know if it matters right now if he's fully healthy or not because they might be able to, over the next three to four weeks, play with the way they played him now, try to continue to make sure he stays healthy, which you can never guarantee. But if they, to your point, Reed, if they play the way they've played schematically and they decide, you know what, we're going to throw a little five-yard hitches, we're going to run little crossers, we're going to, I don't want to say play like the Patriots Tom Brady ball, but, you know, you get the ball, you get rid of it. We're not, we're not letting Jamar Chase run, you know, a 25-yard route that, that takes four or five seconds to develop and then Joe Burrow might take a big hit, but we're going to get a big play. They did not do that at all. Maybe they're going to try to baby him over the next two to three weeks. And to your point, if Joe Burrow's out there, you'd rather have him. And if he can stay healthy, like he did last night, then maybe after three or four weeks, he's fully back to a standpoint where he feels comfortable doing the things that he's done in the past. But again, it just doesn't seem like this is a, a, a model that is going to work very long. And maybe it's not a plan. I don't know how you guys feel about it. But when I watch Joe Burrow, it's sadly a shell of himself. And I beg the question, what is the plan if this doesn't change over the next three to four weeks? Is it just to continue to run him out there? I, like, I, like I said yesterday when we were arguing about this, I think you, you made all the, the right points right there. I, I just I don't think that there's a third option. I think that there are two options. The two options are that you play a banged-up Joe Burrow and you, you 
you see how the season plays out, right? I mean, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, he's, he's clearly not himself at this point. He can't throw the ball downfield, and that's something. Based off of what everyone has told me, this is what I'm basing my opinion on. Based off everything I've heard is that it's going to play like this throughout the entirety of the season. So you play a banged-up Joe Burrow. Or you don't play a banged-up Joe Burrow, and you sit him for a, a, an extremely extended period of time, and the season's, you're, you're basically giving up on the season. I don't think there's some third hybrid option where you can sit Joe Burrow for five, six weeks. He comes back 100% healthy and the season's still afloat. I don't believe that. And I, I, I don't, I, I feel like people that think that are trying to have their cake and eat it too. If that was possibility, then yeah, that sounds great. If, if, if everything works out, if Joe Burrow can sit for five weeks and he comes back 100% healthy, and in the meantime, the Bengals get back to 500 without him, then yeah, that's great. That that's that's the best case scenario, of course. I just don't think that's a that's a realistic option. I think the two options are that you either you either give up on this season and let Joe Burrow get back to health and you protect the asset for the future, or you you can con continue to play Joe Burrow banged up and and you see what happens. Yeah, and I do I do think that Joe Burrow last night. The numbers suggest that. I mean, I mean, he was a fifty percent thrower last night. I don't think that will continue on. Let's get a little perspective on how the game went. There was at least three drives that ended in terrible penalties that caused him to have to throw the football yeah. down the field. There was opportunities for them to run the ball where they didn't, and that's got to change. But I think they're not going to ask him to throw 49 times a game, which – if that's going to – if they continue to do that, yes, this offense is going to struggle. they got to find ways to get Joe Mixon the ball more. And if they can do that, I'm not super concerned because they missed one field goal last night. That makes it 21 to – 22. Yeah, yeah, 22. And, you know, they were a couple drives away from – How you can know, you say I that, just, though? I mean, genuinely, you guys crack me up around here. You say that he misses one field goal that gets to the 22. Bro, can you read off the amount of yardage that, that, that your kicker, that you guys take? No, I don't like to say take for granted. No, we don't but, take but, for but, granted. But, but, but with all well, due respect around he's here. He's great. The guy made how many field goals? And we want to sit here and try to be like, well, the offense well, would have been gay, great if, if, if he had made that one more field goal. They got the 22. Now, I know, well, that's I know, not the whole point, though. The, the whole point is that there was like three or four drives last, last night that just stalled because of mistakes. I mean, the T. Higgins OPI is terrible. The the back to back false starts yeah. were bad. Like those are those are things that completely solved the drive. And we were on the fifty yard line, forty yard line in their territory, and you get backed up. I mean, I yeah. When I look at the offense, I think that the biggest problem with the offense last night was the fact that on the majority of the drives, we're on their side of the field, right? The Bengals only got in the red zone one time. They yeah. only got in the red zone one time, despite scoring five times. So what is happening to this offense that stalls it out all the time? And, and, and it starts with a couple of things. It, it's mental mistakes like penalties, the offensive pass interference, the false starts that Casey brought up, and it's not staying ahead of schedule. It's, yeah. it's not, it, it's, that's where the, the run game starts to, to rear its head is we're not getting to those second and fours. We're not getting to those second and short opportunities. When we do run the ball, it's second and eight. When we throw the ball and you throw an incomplete, it's second and ten. So we, we, we get across midfield, and then it just stalls out for whatever reason. And that is uh, – it, it's – Part of the reason is because we don't have a lot of downfield threat right now. 
because of two reasons. Joe Burrow can't throw the ball accurately downfield at the current moment, and we are trying to protect him, so we're trying to get the ball out as quickly as possible to where the, the defense doesn't have to defend downfield because they know if they get a decent pass rush, we can't throw the ball down there anyways. So... I think that's, that's obviously more than fair. And Drew uh, brings up the point. He says, I'll take Joe Burrow over 170% of Jake Browning. And I know, I know you guys think this is a bit. I mean, I, I know that it sounds like I'm trying to make fun and poke the bear a little bit, and I'm not. I just wonder, like, how do we automatically assume? Now, just hear me out for half a second. How do we automatically assume that Jake Browning can't go out and score 19 points with a the, with the, with the schematic game plan design? For his, for his abilities. If Jake Browning's a mobile quarterback and you design plays to get him outside the pocket and make five-yard throws, you can't convince me that Jake Browning can't hit a crosser over the middle that's running four yards in front of him. Is he going to throw back shoulder throws like Joe Burrow of old? Of course he's not. I'm not suggesting that for a second. But I sit here and I watch this defense save the day time and 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 time again. And everybody wants to sit here and praise Joe Burrow. And by all means, he should get all the praise in the world. I'm not suggesting for a second that Joe Burrow is not elite. But the Joe Burrow right now, I have a, I really do. I know you think I'm being funny. I know you guys think I'm joking around. I have a hard time believing that Jake Browning can't go out with the schematic game plan with Zach Taylor if he's a good game, if he's a good play caller and oh, score and score 19 points, 17 points, and three points. That's what this offense has done. So I've just I beg the question before you guys sit here and you just bash Jake Browning time and time and time again. Why is it he is so bad when I watch this offense right now and they looked they look inept? I don't know. We'll ask somebody. We'll ask somebody that probably has a strong opinion on this. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I'm just glad he's back in the studio. I'm glad that he's he's not in the studio, but he's on the show. Tom, we we'll welcome you into your own show, my man. Your own show. How you doing? Hopefully the vocal cords feel a little bit better. I don't want to get you fired up here, um, but I'm just. It, I, the blood gets boiling when I see this yep. Jake Browning slander. I watch the games, and I think this offense doesn't look very good, and yet everybody wants to tell me that if Jake Browning comes in, somehow it gets way worse. Your thoughts? Well, look, I mean, nobody, and you've pointed this out, uh, Trace, no, nobody for a second is comparing Joe Burrow to Jake Browning or Jake Browning to Joe Burrow. No one is doing that, and you'd be a fool to do that, and you're not doing that. Having said that, your question is, could Jake Browning have helped lead the offense to 316 and 19 points in the last three games? There is no doubt in my mind that he could have accomplished that. There's no doubt in my mind. As to the question you were asking earlier and you guys were debating and Reed brought this up about, okay, what are your options? You play in Burrow at 70%, whatever he is. He won't tell us what it is. He was asked that question in the postgame last night. And he's not answering that question. And I admire the fact that he's not answering. Because then you get into the whole thing of, of exactly what we're talking about. If Burrow says he's 50%, okay, is Burrow 50% better than Browning 100%? Okay, so that, that just opens Pandora's box there. But... You know, I, I, I just sit here and I'm sitting there watching the game last night. First time I've been on Twitter for a while, and I'm just trying to make observations about the game. Okay. And, and I start with the very first series. And this is the issue, as you guys know, 
that I have pounded away. And look, I give the guy all the credit in the world. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, the Bengals the last two years have gone to a Super Bowl and they've played in an AFC championship game, back-to-back AFC championship games. So they're doing something right. There's no question about that. They're doing a lot right, okay? But I look at the opening drive last night, and, and here you are, should be, feel like, sense of urgency. Crowd is really into it. You made the decision to take the ball on the opening kickoff, which says, okay, we're coming at you, right? Theoretically. You start moving down the field a little bit. You get to the 37-yard line. And on the third down play, Hudson falls down. I ask the question, why are you throwing to Tanner Hudson, who the only reason he is active and on the field is because Irv Smith Jr. is hurt? Okay, why are you throwing to him on third and three? Okay, you do. He falls down. Bad luck. Now it's fourth. You're going to kick from the 46-yard line, which makes this a 56-yard field goal try. We know McPherson can make him. We've seen him do it. But as everybody knows, if you're outside of the 20-yard line, wherever the spot of that kick is is where the, the opponent gets the ball. So he misses. They get the ball at the 46-yard line. If you know your offense might struggle because your quarterback is not at 100%, why in the world are you not going for it there? I think you have to go fourth and three to set the tone. And and they didn't. And McPherson misses. He rarely ever misses. Okay, it is what it is. They go on to win the game. Good for them. But if we're talking specifically offense, and we got plenty of time to talk about everything, um, I just, I, I, I never sense that this team takes the field offensively because defensively they take the field ready to play. The old Ben versus break to start the game last night, Rams get it inside the red zone three times and they can't score a touchdown. I mean, those guys find a way to make plays. The offense does not find a way to make plays at least so far this season in the first half of games. They have not scored a touchdown in the first half of a game, and we're three games into the season. Well, we had a spirited debate yesterday about what this Bengals uh, franchise should do. Ultimately, you know, the decision's pretty much kind of been made, it seems, or at least it appears with what they're going to do with Joe Burrow. They're going to allow him to go out there and play on, on obviously less than 100%. I had brought up the the, uh, the argument, at least, or the, the contradictory statement that is, I don't believe, and Reed obviously feels much differently, and we have differing opinions. I don't know which one you'll, fi- you'll, you'll find yourself on. Reed doesn't think there's a third option here. It's either you play Joe Burrow, you try to save the season. If you don't, if you don't play Joe Burrow, basically the season's, for the, for the most part, going to be a wrap because this Bengals team's going to fall to a record that's not going to allow them to get back to the postseason once Joe Burrow does become healthy, if that is said, said such thing. I'm of the mindset that you have a guy that you're paying $219 million guaranteed till 2029, like it or not. I get that, I get that you want to save the season. I understand the concept. I still think that Jake Browning, again, not to keep giving this guy as much credit as he maybe overly deserves. I'm not trying to make him out to be something he's not. I still hearken back and think that he can he can do just as well, almost at least. It'd be hard for me to believe that he couldn't, what this offense has already been producing. 
I just think this Bengals team, with the way that Joe Burrow's playing now, ultimately is not going to get where they need to get to to make people happy around here. Your thoughts on Joe Burrow himself, what the situation is, and I guess how you would try to handle this if there is a perfect way of doing it. Well, you know, the, the, the thing I kept thinking about Trace all night long and watching the broadcast, and I thought they did a really good job on the broadcast last night, was you, you can't have it both ways. And what I mean by that is you can't say, as we heard frequently last night, where Burrow missed throws that he normally makes, okay? You can't say, if you're going to take the, 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 the major X factor out of the cap, and they didn't preface every single point they made by saying, well, he does have an injured cap. They would say, well, he missed practice all week, missed practice all week, missed reps all week, and that has a lot to do with him not making that throw, short hop a throw, air mail a throw, whatever it might be. Now, how much of that is a calf? How much of that is mispractice time? I don't know. But when I say you can't have it both ways, you can't say that he's not good or he's off because he didn't practice while at the same time saying that the preseason practice snaps don't make any difference. You can't have it both ways, period, end. Okay? So, you know, look, he wasn't able to practice in the preseason because of the injury that we know. The rest of that group did. And there are still too many other pieces and things that go on. The penalties. I mean, look, penalties are going to happen. I understand it. People make mistakes. We all do. Okay? But, I mean, Mixon and Orlando Brown have been in this league long enough to understand that you're 0-2. You got to win. Coming out of the huddle, you have to know what the snap count is. I mean, that just can't happen. Burrow, at least from listening to people and talking to people who understand this type of injury. You know, look, the guy took five weeks off, four weeks off, and it's still, boom, one step. And that's the kind of thing that can happen with these, with these types of injuries. A hamstring, a groin, a calf, an ankle. Okay, ankle a little bit different, but those other three, hamstring, groin, calf, for sure. One wrong step. I mean, look, we saw the video of him when he injured it originally last night. Rolling out to the right, two steps, puts his foot down, bang, he's limping on getting carted off the field. So this will continue to be an issue. But I think if you look at the rest of this team, and I think offensively they're going to get better. You know, I... I don't know enough about this offensive line that they're spending a king's ransom on this offensive line, okay? And I don't know if this offensive line was exclusively built to be run-protecting, I mean, a pass-protecting offensive line or a line that you can both run and pass. But I see absolutely zero commitment to the run, even when they had the lead last night and they started to run it a little bit more. I mean, Mixon's getting killed a, year, a yard behind the line of scrimmage or he's having to dance around two yards behind the line of scrimmage because there are people all over the place. Now, you can say, well, the Rams knew they were going to run. Okay, fine. But I just don't see any commitment whatsoever to running the ball. Mixon is still a damn good back, and it would take so much pressure off of Burrow, and we saw it in the second half. When they go on the touchdown drive, they run 10 plays. They pass it six times. They run it four times, including a 14-yard touchdown run. 
We saw the play where they fake the pitch left and the entire Rams defense goes to the left. Only time, as you pointed out in the open, where Burrow had to just make two steps, bang, wide open receiver, 17, 18, 20-yard gain. Those plays are there to be had. If the other team thinks for a second you're going to run the ball, if they think what we saw in the first half is going to happen, that's exactly what happened in Cleveland, if you remember last year, when they got bludgeoned by the Browns on Halloween, is they threw the ball 50 or 60 times and they run it 10. Something's got to change in that regard, in my opinion, for them to be better offensively. Are they going to be phenomenal offensively? I don't think they've ever been phenomenal offensively. I've said that for two years. The thing that kept the Bengals from winning back-to-back Super Bowls was the offense, not the defense. The defense is faster this year. That's very clear. Now, we'll see how it plays out with Bell and Bates being gone as opposed to Hill and Scott being back there. But I know one thing. They got guys back there that can run. It is a fast defense. These guys are going to be better than those first two games of the year, and we saw it last night. Um, but but they, they I, look, I've never called plays in the NFL. You guys haven't either, okay? And neither is anybody watching this show, more than likely. But you, you, you can't all of a sudden, it's like it's no different than a baseball pitcher. You can't stand up there and throw fastballs, and the guy in the batter's box knows you're going to throw nothing but fastballs. In football, if they think that you're only going to pass and don't have to worry about the run, you have just eliminated at least a reasonable doubt that you might do something different than what they think you're going to do. Does that make sense? It per- it makes perfect sense. And staying on that topic, I guess I would ask the question, and maybe we, we can send it around the room as well as we got everybody in here. We're, we're more than thrilled to see you, Tom. I can't wait for you to come back. You sound well, great, I tell you what, I've got a clean bill of health tomorrow. Good Lord willing, boys. I am back in the saddle Monday, and I am itching to be oh, back in there, man. and I can't wait. Oh, man. Well, nobody would be happier than me. I can by by the that. way, before we get into the serious stuff, because I saw a little bit of Elliot's, you know, sort of zebrazillionaire thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Elliot, are you losing people money again or what's the deal? <laughs> well, I mean, what's talking- the deal? Just give it to me straight, Elliot. I just want to know, are you losing a lot? Because you told people on a, a tweet last night, stay with them, you know, stay with you. They're going to make money. I guarantee it. And then you follow that with, I can't guarantee anything. Yeah, well, Tom, legally I have to put those little disclaimers in there because uh, unfortunately I can't promise anything. But the good news, the good news for everybody is eventually I have to win a bet. Now, unfortunately for everybody, I haven't won one yet. And to be quite honest, Tom, I haven't really been close. I might be the worst gambler in the state of Ohio. There's a serious chance that I am statistically. I'm not even, that's not even hyperbole. That's statistics. Numbers-wise, I am just the worst gambler of all time. But for the people who are betting my, my parlay, the boost on Betfred Sportsbook, if you're doing that, keep doing it. We're going to make money. We're going to make money responsibly. Listen, I've, I'm 0-3, Tom. I'm 0-3 uh, as this has been an, an official bet on Betfred Sportsbook. You can't go 10,003 without losing the first three. <laughs> so I'm going to go on a 10,000 10, run. And we're going to be back. I'm going to be winning people millions and millions of dollars. Asterix, I can't promise that. But I, that's, that's where I am, Tom. I, listen, okay. Tom, did you write? Right. I just want to double check because I saw it last night. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've been in there. And I just kind of want to know what's going on and just get an update. Tom, did you ride the bet with me? 
I'm not a gambling man. I have just about every other vice there is known to man. Okay. But that would not. Be okay. Wrong. All right. So let me ask you, are you an investor? Do you like to invest in things? I do very, I do very much. Okay. So how about you invest in my parlay and it'll win you a bunch of money, Tom. <laughs> it'll win generational wealth, generational wealth for you, Tom. <laughs> okay. It's I'm a, in. I, you know what? I'm going to do it this week. Okay. I'm do All it right. This week on that thread. And when I see you or you and I will talk this week and you tell me what it is and I will put it in and let's okay. see what happens. All right. And again, you'll win generational wealth, but it is capped out at $50. So you can only bet $50 on it. <laughs> but generational wealth, Tom, this is what we're talking about. Okay. All right. I'm all in. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Okay. Okay. All right. We're good. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh one final point on the Bengals thing before we can obviously change gears and talk about whatever you want to talk about, Tom, before you need to go. Who knows how long you're allowed to talk. I don't want to get you in trouble. I like Tom to talk about Ian Jabot. Um, I don't want to know. No, 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 no. No, we won't do that. Um, here's, the, here's the thing. Oh, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Yeah. Do you have any concern of what you said at the latter, which is, as, as, as to your point, the analogy you used – of a, a hitter standing in the box knowing that a pitcher is only going to throw fastballs and you have this this mindset that you don't need to worry about one side of uh, one yeah. side of an offense is there is there a concern or, or a reasonable concern do you think yet that at some point teams are going to force almost like oxymoronic or opposite of what they would have done in the past they're going to force Joe Burrow to have to make tough throws on one-on-one -on -one coverage to Jamar Chase to T Higgins down the field and bring pressure and say, you're not going to give up these three and four yard little slants in these runs. And we're not going to allow Joe Mixon to run the ball. We're going to put it all on Joe Burrow in, the, in that leg. And, and we're going to make him burn us because I don't think that's happened quite yet. But the more and more you watch this guy, I would think that that has to be in the minds of some defensive coordinators when they face this Bengals team. Well, I, I think you're spot on. Trey, sound like there's any doubt about it. I mean, you know, you, these are smart guys, and they get paid a lot of money, these defensive coordinators. I mean, these are smart football guys. And they will, they will do everything they can to find what is the, 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 that proverbial weak, weak link right in the chain. But you have to give them, in terms of preparation, you have to give them film to look at that will say, ooh, you know, the, these guys are capable when they make the decision and make the commitment and I think this offensive line is good enough where you could turn it around and hand it to Mixon. You could hand it to Mixon 18 to 24 times a game. And I think more times than not, you would have tremendous success, not just with him running the ball, not every single play. He's not going to average five yards a carry. Okay. But if he's up around four, four, one, four, two, you'll take that all day, every day. Because Reed brought up earlier about being on schedule. We saw last night, I didn't realize going into the game last night. Two losses and very little offense. And this is a part that worried me a little bit when I saw this stat, and you guys may have seen it. Going into the game last night after the first two games of the year, the Bengals had the shortest distance on third down to go of any team in the NFL through the first two weeks. So what that means is they were third and five or third and four or third and three, et cetera, more than any other team in the NFL through the first two weeks of the season. And yet their third down conversion was among the worst, if not the worst in the NFL. Now, what's the reason for that? There are multiple reasons, I'm sure, for that. But, uh, you know, 
if you use that adage, and I think Reed is spot on about being on schedule. Every offense wants to be on schedule. It's not just some it's not some cliche that sort of drifts away in meaning as it's overused time and time again. It is a very real quote being on schedule. Your playbook is endless when you're walking up over the course of a game, third and three, third and four, third and five, as opposed to third and nine, third and 17 after a penalty, third and 14 after a sack. And the Bengals are in those positions. They've done a good job of putting themselves in their positions, but then they're failing on third down, at least so far this year. Last night, they weren't even 50%, but that was a hell of a lot better than it was the first two weeks. Uh, same thing with the defense. The defense was great on third down last night. Phenomenal on third down last night. Um, and again, I, I, I did not watch the Rams play a lot the first two weeks. I kept hearing those guys alluding to the fact that, um, you know, the Rams bludgeoned people in the run game the first two weeks of the season. They didn't run the ball at all last night. Right. And here the Bengals had given up a pile of yards against two very physical running teams, one with an extraordinary, the best running quarterback in the NFL, Lamar Jackson. But I mean, you know, if I'm in LA this morning, I'm sitting there saying, what is Sean McVay doing? I know the guys won Super Bowls, I get it. But I mean, when you sit there and if you were, if you were just sitting in a film room and game planning to play against the Cincinnati Bengals and what you saw the first two weeks of the season, you would see a team that had been run over and yet you never run the ball. And the one thing about Stafford, and I, I, I have broadcast so many of his games, I, I couldn't even begin to count how many. Um, he won a Super Bowl. You give him all the credit in the world. But you give that guy a chance to throw a pick, he will throw a pick. And he threw him last night. That he did. Uh, your friend Jolly Jolly asks right here at the bottom of the screen, Mixon had 19 carries last night for 65 yards. What does committing to the run look like then? You do have folks that, that are, are hell-bent on saying this Bengals team has committed to the run. It just has not worked out. They've not got the yardage that they would have liked. Reed pointed out here right before the show started and or when the show just started that if you take away, and I know you can always do the, the what-ifs, if you take something away, this looks that way. But if Joe Mixon does not have that 20-yard touchdown run or whatever yardage it ended up being, that he ends up averaging less than two yards or right around two yards a carry last night, is it more of a concern of the offensive line? Is it more of a concern of committing to the run? What uh, Do you have a rebuttal or what was the, what would be the well, answer well, back well, to look, that? I mean, look, when you, when, when you bring up the things you just brought up and Jolly Jolly brought up, I mean, those numbers don't lie. They are what they are, but if you but but there was a point there up up until about a third of the way through the fourth quarter, prior to the last two, I think it was two possessions the Bengals had, when the Rams knew they were going to run the ball to try to burn the clock. So I mean, if I were a betting man and I don't have it in front of me, I would bet that says on on Mixon's last five carries he was in negative yardage. That's where they just swarm. He's dancing around two yards behind the line of scrimmage. He gets dropped, maybe a one-yard loss, maybe lucky to get back to the line of scrimmage. There was a point in time in that game, granted, the 14-yard touchdown run included, where his average yards per carry was almost five. So, I, you know, again, it, it's kind of like, you know, you, you know, and then you, you toss in as a team, for example, Okay, Burrow technically carried the ball three times last night for negative yardage. That counts against the number of what you average yards per carry. Okay, so those numbers are not good. 
And somebody could just look at those numbers and say, Bengals can't run the ball. Well, you have to put everything into context because they were running it decently, not great, running it decently when they were still not just trying to burn the clock and the opposing teams didn't know whether they were going to row it or run it or throw it because it was still a one, it was, it was a, it was a three point game then turns into a 10 point game and they know the Bengals are going to, are going to just try to burn clock. Yeah. You bring up a valid point as well. One that I, that I brought up at the top of the show, which is uh, Sean McVay and Zach Taylor obviously have something in common. They come from the same school of thought. And uh, I just could not believe that the Rams would run an end around almost score, right? I mean, mere inches from scoring on the end around. They get the ball right there uh, at the three yard line, first and goal from the three. And they decide on the very first play that they're going to try to be cute, do a little play action pass. Stafford makes a huge mistake. If, if, if as good as Matt Stafford is, that is a mistake that quite frankly, you, you, it doesn't really show up in the box score per se, because you can't really see the play. He didn't throw yep. an interception, but you just, you can't take a sack right there. You just can't. You go from first and goal from the three. Now it's second and goal from the 11. The, the whole entire script of what you think that you're going to do just changes dramatically. You thought you just had seven. You wind up with three. And like I said at the beginning of the show, that's the difference. That's the margins in the NFL. That four-point swing was the yeah. difference between winning and losing. And I just wonder sometimes, to your point, and I guess to, to kind of farther your point, if you will, and I'm not trying to argue for you, but I think committing to the run sometimes is not so matter of looking at the box score and saying, okay, we ran 17 times or we ran 19 times. It's more or less when you run, when you decide to run, what, what would the Rams do in that situation if they decided to run three times? That's committing to the run to me, not running three times randomly in the middle of a game some point running three times right there and deciding that you want to see if you're, you know, for all, you know what cracks me up in the football, in, in football in general is that you get around football coaches, they all talk toughness and, and you know, mano a mano and being stronger than the next man. And then you get into a situation where it's fourth and one and you decide to kick a 56-yard field goal and you get down to the three-yard line on first and goal and you decide that you want to be cute and not just try to run it right up the middle and see what you can yeah. get. Now, would it ultimately work out? I don't know. But it seems like the, the way in which just hard-nosed football in the NFL with the Sean McVays of the world is, is to, to a certain extent, going away. Well, you know, I think you bring up a great, a great point, Trace. And, and look, I, you know, this is where I think the mental part of the game becomes. I've always believed that, that, that you have got to take it to the other team to say, okay, listen, we're lining up. And if you talk to any offensive lineman that has ever played the game, even if they were a better pass protecting offensive lineman than they were a run uh, offensive lineman. Okay, they will tell you to a man. I have heard it tens of thousands of times that you would rather be the guy that's doing the hitting rather than getting hit. And when you pass protect, you're backing up and you're getting hit by a guy who's running. When you run block, you just drive straight ahead and you try to drive that guy straight into the ground. Okay, so the, the, the Bengals to me rarely ever show in the run game that we are going to take it to you. You play the Ravens, they say we're going to take it to you when they have everybody healthy. Okay, they were missing a bunch of guys when they played the Bengals, including two offensive linemen, and still won the game. Traditionally, the Steelers 
they say, we're going to take it to you. Uh, great Pete Carroll teams. Ironically, he'll be known for throwing the pass down there near the goal line, but his MO through the years, take it to him, right? And, and I just don't understand for the life of me how you, from a mental standpoint, you're down there at the three, the four, five-yard line, first and goal. I mean, come on. I saw it at Ohio State this past weekend, right? I mean, you know, and the whole issue about being soft and are they soft and blah, 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 the Lou Holtz thing. All of that, if you watch that game, Ohio State third and goal from the one, they run it, Mayan Williams doesn't get it. It's fourth and goal, now they're going to throw it. Throw it fourth and goal at the one, Ohio State? I mean, are you kidding? Fourth down and one later in the game, you're doing a jet sweep with a wide receiver? Are you kidding? And then finally, on fourth and goal at the one to win the game, you run it and you get it. You needed one yard, you got one yard. I just don't understand why, why it's football is a violent game played by extremely violent men. And when you get a chance to just say to somebody, here we come, give it your best shot, but we are coming at you from a physical standpoint. Doesn't mean you just run the ball, don't throw the ball. It's not what I mean. But I'm saying in certain situations that you just pointed out, you have got to take it to them. And, and the Bengals so infrequently, they do that. And the Rams did, didn't do it last night. And I was really surprised, like I said earlier, because they had run the ball well this year, the Rams had. Yeah, it certainly felt like there was a clone on both sidelines last night. They both decided that they didn't really want to – and again, committing to the run is a very, very fragile subject. People are going to sit there and be upset at us because we're saying that the, the, the Bengals didn't commit to the run. They, they ran the ball 19, 20 times, and, and for, for most – most uh, box scores, when you look at that, that is an average, you know, that's an average game where they're the running back. And that's fine, Trace, when you've got everybody healthy and you've got the kind of offense and star power they have. That's probably a pretty good number It's right. without throwing it 55 or 60 times, right? Depending on how many plays you run over the course of a game. If you're throwing it 35 and you run it 25, okay. If you if you throw it 40, you run it 20, okay, fine. But the only time they ever ran it last night was when they were trying to ice the game. Yeah, and I mean, this is uh, I, I I know the 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 interception that Joe Burrow threw. Uh, if we can kind of go to that drive specifically, it felt as if the Bengals were in the driver's seat in the game. It felt like they that 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 the coffin nails, bam, bam, bam. I know they don't do that till the very end, but it just felt like that drive was a death march. It could have been the ultimate nail in the coffin if they would have been able to find a way to score any points there. Any points yep. at all, it feels like the game's over. I think there was about 11 minutes left in the game. I yep. get that the guy made an unbelievable play. Unbelievable. I, I, I get he made an unbelievable play, Tom. But right before that drive started, I looked over uh, to Sean, and I said, you know what, if I was the Bengals right here, I think I'd just try to run this thing three times. If I get a first down, great. If I don't, I'm going to I'm gonna trust my kicker to kick a field goal. There's probably going to be about eight minutes left on the clock, something along those lines. And I'm going to have a two-score lead with what I've watched today. There, you could, give the, you could give the Rams 20 minutes. I don't think they're scoring twice. And sure enough, they, they, they decide they were going to throw it on the uh, very first play, I believe, of the drive where they were in plus territory. And I get it. The kid made an unbelievable play. But just like that, you let the Rams back in the game. But ultimately, at the end of it all, you know what? Uh, don't want to sit here and sound as if the season's over or they didn't win. They won. 
They won. I do think there's obviously a lot of cause for concern if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, but at the end of it all, you wake up on Tuesday morning, Tom. They found a way to win the game. You move on, and you maybe you hope and you pray that it looks a little bit better next week. I think that's the only you know, thing that you can try to You're spot on, Trace. I mean, the bottom line is they won a game that they had to win. I mean, you know, people can sit there and make that. Well, well now with a 17-game schedule, you start 0-3. You know, nobody really has a lot of – there's not a lot of sample size with 17 games and all that kind of thing, starting 0-3. That, that, that's baloney. They start last night 0-3. Uh, they're in trouble, and they know it. Okay? So um, the bottom line is, though, like you said, they won the game. And now all of a sudden – and look, the way the Bengals have played, you know, it's not like the Bengals of a year ago uh, where or even two years ago where – you know, you start looking at teams and say, well, we should beat them, should beat them, should beat them. I mean, they're going to Tennessee next week. Now, is Tennessee great? No, they're not. But the Bengals haven't been great either. But if you look at their next three games, you would think if they take care of the ball, continue to play good defense, Burrow gets a little healthier bit by bit, can practice a little bit more bit by bit, that these are three games that they should be able to win. Two in a row coming up on the road. And, you know, you, you go to Tennessee, you go to Arizona, who, by the way, I mean, Arizona, you know, and I know nobody gives a damn about Arizona, but they, that's a team that's playing their tail off, man. And I think everybody in, in football that follows the sport thought they might not win a game. I talked to a buddy of mine from out there the other day before the game on Sunday, they were getting ready to play. And he said, they might not win a game. They're going to get the number one pick in the draft. I'm like, what are you, I said, they were just beating the tar out of whoever it was they were playing last week, and they oh the Giants, and they blew the big lead in the fourth quarter. They led in the fourth quarter the first game of the year. Uh, you know, when I look at a team like that compared to the Bengals, even with an injured quarterback, they're playing with Josh Dobbs, and they're scoring 24, 27 points. And I'm thinking to myself, what? How can that happen? And the Bengals are scoring three and 16 and 19. But that's for another day. You're right. They won the game. Their defense has looked really good. Not great the first two games, but you know they're going to get better and better because Anna Rumo, I mean, it is mind-boggling to me that guy's not a head coach in this league. But thank God the Bengals have Well, we have some super chats, Tom. I want to make sure we get to them. Uh, Chad said, Tom, Nutcutter Nation misses you. Love you. Come home. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Uh, I miss Nutcutter Nation. Uh, Ricky says, uh, and Tom, we trust. Can't wait to have you back. Uh, ben Riley uh, adds a little fuel to the fire here. I'm trying to move subjects off the Bengals, but he did say that uh, we aren't creative with runs or passes like the Lions or the Dolphins. I think that's relatively more than fair. Um, Dolphins are have, pretty good. And then you have uh, Mr. Mo, who says, Tom, get Trace to say uh, farther ado. And uh, that's the thing. They want me to say the other way. And I'm just <laughs> at this point, I'm going to just I'm, I'm, I'm digging into my thing. They don't think that I can say further. But the truth is, I'm just going to keep saying farther. Well, you missed another super chat. Drew Garrison says, I'd take 70% of Tom over 170% of Reed. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come from uh, Reed's buddy? No. <laughs> no, not Mouse Cop. No, no, no. Mouse where, Cop's where still alive and well. Reed right now? Is he still beating you down? Or where, where are you with him? What's your relationship uh, like? Oh, Real yeah. Therapy? I mean, if if we were an actual relationship, we'd be divorced. I mean, that'd be gone. I mean, it's 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 unreconcilable at this point. I mean, me and Mouse Cop are just we couldn't be farther apart. But that's okay. I love Mouse Cop. He loves me. There's love there, but we also hate each other. So it is what it is. Fair enough. 
Yeah, All right, trying Tom. to get up to date on everything going on. Okay. Oh, you've you've right. got a lot to you got a lot to catch up on. We'll we'll catch I you do. up as soon as you get in the office. There's plenty of uh, there's plenty of different things that happen in the chat that you're probably going to be like, what are they talking about? And, and who knows? We've this uh, this show's gone off the rails since you've been gone, and we're trying to keep it on there. But That's boy, not it been, true. You have boy, it's been work. wobbly. No, you guys have done phenomenal work, and and Trace. And all you guys, but Trace doing this double duty and doing the show. And now I see, right? Uh oh. I mean, oh, this is going. I see that Casey now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is his own show. It's a big league operator. Big so league. I just want to know if Casey, who, if you recall, many moons ago, you're really talking about not working necessarily with real professionals. Right. That's right. Remember that quote? <laughs> oh, I definitely remember it. I'm just kind of curious if if, if, if if Casey, are you now have you moved into the category of real professional now? Um, what about semi pro? What about semi pro? <laughs> well, it's, it's not a fair <laughs> answer. Yeah. I, I, hang on a second. The show's good. Oh, thanks, Tom. Thanks. I didn't know you You're were welcome. watching. I appreciate that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be going over the NFL this week. I mean, there's a lot that happened. Miami, yep. 70 points. Bengals, I mean, they they looked a little rough on offense. But, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I can't wait for there you is. to come back, Tom. I can't wait either. I'm hoping. I get that. Like I said, I'm hoping that's starting next week, boys. I am very excited. Uh, Tom, when, when do you, uh, for, for those that are asking in the chat, or those that are curious, you obviously are going to go and see a, uh, I assume, a voice doctor, a voice coach, and they're going to give you the uh, No, the, I'm going to see the, I'm gonna see the real like? doctor tomorrow who actually did the surgery uh, up in Cleveland, a guy named Michael Vinegar, who's just a phenomenal surgeon up there, uh, ear, nose, and throat guy. i got to drive up there first thing tomorrow morning, uh, go see him, and if he says, hey, everything looks good, then we're off and running, man, off and awesome. running. All right. Well, so we'll where are we with the Reds these that. days, boys? That's what I was. That that's where we were gonna go next. I, I don't know how you how you uh, how you feel about it. I just think that ultimately, you know, I don't want to sound like a pushover. I'm trying to still stay somewhat optimistic as as a Reds fan here. I know I know that we're on death's doorstep. I'm well aware of the situation. There is still five to play. If they go undefeated, I think they have a, a puncher's chance. I guess is the term yep. that I would use. Certainly yep. doesn't feel like it's likely. By all means, I don't want to. I don't want to lead anyone to believe that I'm sitting here being superly optimistic about it. But you, you, you just go back, Tom, and, and it's been a long season, right? You start the year off. You got guys like Jason Vossler playing first base, and you know, I, no offense to Kevin Newman, but you got Kevin Newman playing shortstop for for a, for a decent part of this uh, year. And you use 40-plus pitchers this year. And as much as maybe I've disagreed with David Bell throughout the course of the way that he manages from time to time, but overall, I guess when I, when I try to take back just the emotion of what it's been the last week, and certainly Saturday was, uh, was, was, was a game in which it's hard to get over, I get. But yeah. when you try to peel it back and you say, you know what, let's look at it and just say, what was this? For a franchise that honestly, and me and you talked about this before the year, and I said, well, we're going to try to do this show every day. I don't know how it's it's going to go. It's you know, yeah. we might have we might have two people watching, or who knows what happens. I don't know, but you try to get in early, whatever that is, whatever that means. Right. Um, and you look back at it all, Tom. I just uh, for for a franchise that was death's doorstep again to use that phrase is maybe too strong for the Reds considering the history that they have. But man, did it feel like the morale around that franchise. The fan base's belief system in that franchise was about as low as it could get. 
And for them to be sitting here, I guess, on September 26th, Tom, not eliminated from the postseason, people being very optimistic. I don't know how you could possibly be as a Reds fan and the ownership group, the front office, and everybody in that building couldn't be, for the most part, very ecstatic about the way that things have went this year. Doesn't mean anything for next year for the most part. But when you look yeah. ahead, Tom, I think they got real guys that can really help this team. And hopefully it's not a flash in the pan. That's always a possibility. But as you look back on it, Tom, I feel unbelievable about it. I think they got some good players. TJ Friedel, Spencer Steer, Matt McLean, I think, has been a piece that nobody, and I don't say nobody because uh, that would be the wrong thing. But I think of all of the injuries, Matt McLean hurt the most the past month and yep. a half. And, uh, of course, you can't have guys like Lodolo and Gam Graham Ashcraft being out when you have this thin of a, of a roster from the first place. So I don't know how you yeah, feel about it, but I just, it's just, uh, I just, I'm, I'm not trying to say the season's dead. I give up, Tom, but I've, I've tried to reflect back and say, you know what, I, you couldn't have asked for much more, realistically. There's no doubt. I mean, it's been an unbelievable year, and everything you just said is spot on. You know, look, uh, I, I've gotten on David Bell from time to time, but one thing cannot be denied is this is a resilient bunch, and he has set an incredible tone uh, and quote-unquote culture in that clubhouse. Now, you got to give the players a lot of credit for that, too. But, I mean, David has been extremely steady. I think a lot of us would like to see him a little more, you know, emotional from time to time. Um, but that's not him. And so you don't ask somebody to be what they're not. He has done an outstanding job this season. There's no doubt. We said early in the year, we were deeply concerned about the usage of the bullpen early in the season and how that was going to play out. We continued to use example after example in, um, July when all of a sudden, you know, Alexis Diaz only gave up a run in one appearance in April, one appearance in May. Gave up a run in two appearances in June. And then all of a sudden, starting right before the All-Star break, we started seeing multiple appearances where he's given up runs. These guys are running out of steam. And, 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 and look, you know, you can sit there and say, well, um, you know, if David Bell hadn't used him so much early, they'd be better now. Well, you know, he was using them to win games and put him in this position early on. Again, so you can't have it both ways. It's like going back to Dusty Baker with the 2003 Cubs. So many people kill him for using Pryor and Wood. This was a franchise that had not been to a World Series since 1945. And you got two of the best pitchers in baseball, and you're trying to get a team into the playoffs. Damn it, you're going to use him to get there. And so that's what Bell has done with his bullpen. Now, they're just out of gas. Now, do they have a five-game run in them? Because one thing that cannot be denied about this whole wild card thing is, um, is that it's been amazing the last two weeks how you went from, boy, the Giants were on a big run, now they're falling apart. The Diamondbacks were slumping, now they're rolling. You got the Cubs who looked like they were an absolute shoe-in for the second wildcard spot behind Philadelphia. And now all of a sudden, they've got to play Atlanta and Milwaukee to close the year. I mean, so so is it possible that the Reds can go 5-0 and this week? It is very much possible. There's no doubt about it. And as for the long-term thing, you know, look, I, Trace, you know, I don't buy into the long-term stuff. I don't buy it. There were people saying Ellie De La Cruz was going to the Hall of Fame when he came up here after a month. And he's hitting 220. 
and he's not even starting in the biggest games of the year. Now, does that mean he's not going to be a great player? Of course it doesn't. If I had to be a betting man, do I would think he's going to be a great player? Yes, I would bet on him being a great player. But McLean and Fraley, for my money, are the two guys. McLean and Fraley are the two guys when they went down. And, you know, India before them. And I know India's not hit the ball well since he came back. But, but, but I think a lot of people in that clubhouse believe the Reds are a better team when he plays. And they are unquestionably a better team when he plays, McLean plays, Fraley plays. And those three guys over the last month plus have missed a ton of baseball. They have. In- injuries has certainly played a-, a part of the season. But to be honest, if you were a fan of all all teams, all 30 teams, I'm sure that at some point uh, everyone's going to say that, hey, we've missed this guy, we've missed that guy. And, and yeah. you know what? The Pirates probably, for, for all intents and purposes, Reed said this on the show, a guy that watches a lot of baseball. I've watched the Pirates lately. You know, it's never easy. It's just not easy to win a division title. You got to have a lot of good players. The Pirates probably could argue that if they had their guy and Cruz all year long, that they would, you know, they got off to an incredible start and then they obviously slumped. So who knows? You just never know. But I guess, um, I guess to your point, uh, you, you don't know what's guaranteed next year, but if you're a Reds fan, I think that this offseason is probably going to be the most exciting offseason that the Reds have had since, uh, since they were basically, I would say the, the, the Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, uh, prime yeah. Brandon Phillips days. It feels like this team has a young core of, of people that you can believe in whether or not they get to the promised land. We'll, we'll find out one thing, yeah. Tom, that we've done. I don't know if you've seen uh, the show, but one thing that we've done yeah. that's differently is we have, uh, we have the locals on 11 now. So we've, 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 what we've done is we've kind of, we've kind of mixed and matched some things. We do the ad reads. We still need to get paid around here as you well know, um, so what we're going to do here is we're going to send it over to break. I'm going to have you come back and we're going to finish the, We're going to finish your segment off just after this segment. Uh, we'll send it over. Well, hey, 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 everybody. It's the weather. Yes. Yes. It's your favorite segment of the show. It's the weather. Listen, I woke up this morning. I felt great. Again, I've been dealing with this cough for about three and a half months. I can't shake it. I can't shake it. There's some kind of allergen that has taken over my body and it makes me cough throughout the entire damn day. I can't fix it. There's nothing that's going to fix it ever. But the good news is the weather hasn't changed in a week and a half. I can't remember the last raindrop. Precipitation chances zero, zero percent chance of precipitation. Could there be a tornado that happens today? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but that's the best part about the weather. We just don't know what's going to happen. Today, it's going to be sunny. At some point, it's going to be cloudy. There's going to be about a high of 75. It's going to be about a low of 60-something, 50-something. I don't know. The weather's going to change over and under throughout the entire day. So you don't have to watch any news channels tonight. I'm going to tell you right now what's happening, all right? So it's going to be 75, 55, 75, 55. If it's, if it's the daytime, 75, nighttime, 55. So that's where you're going to plan your day. Wear a t-shirt throughout the day. Wear a sweatshirt at night. That's the weather. That's all we can do. Chip, 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 chip. Never mind. I'm going to keep it. All right. So now, when, tomorrow, the weather's probably not going to change again. I haven't looked at the forecast yet. I haven't checked my meteorology app. Again, you can do that right now. All you have to do is go on your phone and just check. I don't have my phone. Yeah, chip. Thanks, chip. Yeah, chip. Yep, chip right here. All right. So let's go to the weather real quick. Uh, let's see weather today or weather tomorrow. Excuse me. It is. Oh, oh, there's a chance for rain tomorrow. There's a chance for rain tomorrow. Holy shit. Holy shit. There's some weather changing tomorrow. We got a chance of rain 
And I don't, it says 50% chance on this weather app. Again, you can check on your phone. I, I mean, this is the greatest part about the weather here, Chip. Yeah, you can take that back. I know you're busy. Uh, <laughs> so listen, you're going to go check your weather app on your phone. You don't have to listen to any newscast tonight. If, you go, if you're going to think about listening to news, they're going to probably tell you there's a lot of murders and things tonight. A lot of commercials that they're going to display over the, over the airwaves. But the weather right now, you don't have to spend any time tonight on the weather. Weather good today. Weather maybe bad tomorrow. There's a chance for rain. A chance for rain. I get paid to tell you that there's a chance that something happens. How about that? Weather. Chip. Are we doing the ads or are we going back to Tom? Uh, we'll, we'll come back to me for a half a second to give Casey a chance to regroup after that uh, segment. Then, then, then what we do is we'll send it over to Casey uh, because Casey's the one that has to actually pay the bills around here, believe it or not. Um, and this is where this show gets a little loony around here from time to time. Casey. The Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Let me tell you about this wonderful water. I haven't finished it this time. I'm, I'm working on it. Pawnee water, the new premium alkaline water premium. made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial brands that use the other brands that use artificial processing. The result is a healthy tasting water. And it's the best tasting one in the world. Visit PawneeWater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF. <clears throat> UDF. Bet on Betfred. Get your technology solutions on Encore. Drink Pawnee Water. Reed, what's the thing that you like the most about Pawnee Water? Oh, yeah. When you think about Pawnee Water, other waters, they... they... They do their filtration artificially. It's the natural limestone filtration for me. I mean, just when that water gets to the, to the limestone, naturally, not artificially, naturally, yep. that's what I like about it. And plus the pH levels is eight. You know, yeah, like I love nine. the pH level. That's, that's my favorite part about Pawnee water. What about you, Trace? I don't think we ever got anything from you. What, what's your favorite thing about Pawnee water? Well, my favorite thing about Pawnee water is it's made, uh, it's right, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. It's local. That's what we are. We're a local show. It's, it might Amen. be a goofy show. might be a goofy show, Tom. might be a stupid show. might be whatever, but I know this. I know that we try to be entertaining, and we try to be fun. And when you, when you watch this show, the good thing is there's just not a ton of ads. And uh, for the most part, you just have to listen to us uh, do goofy things from time to time. But hopefully, no, more or less, we make you smile or laugh. Elliot seems well, to do a good job Well, I got a question for you, Trace. Real quick, I was noticing in that shot of Reed and Elliot over there. It, it, yes. Does somebody have their book bag in that spittoon between the two of them? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's called. It's is that called, what it's, that is? Is that a yeah, spittoon down there? That's. Uh, I think that would be um, Elliot's <laughs> book bag. That is. That is Elliot's bag. A book. No, I mean, what's, the, what's the box sitting in between? What oh, is great oh, question. That's a really good question. I think that's how we'll end your your day here on on off the bench with Tom Brenneman. Is we'll let you get back to it. We don't want to. We don't want to push it too much. But what we will do is we're going to send you off and let you help answer. These lovely kids' questions. So without farther ado. Further ado. Farther ado. Further, further. So without farther ado, <laughs> we are going to go to the mailbag right now. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. 
Well, hey, everybody. Oh we have another God. letter. What in the hell is going on? We have a, wait, excuse <laughs> me. Excuse me. We have another letter today. All right. So today's mailbag comes from little Zach from Mrs. Little Brown Zach. Band's. This is Zach from Mrs. Brown Band's class. Now, Zach asked, the diameter of a football is 6.7 inches, while the average American foot size is 10.5 inches. How is it that a professional punter, Brad Robbins, is unable to connect his foot to a football? <laughs> Thanks, little Zach. Tom? That's a good question. What the hell's happened to that guy? I don't know, Tom, but hey, it's not listen, good. Listen, 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 listen. Before we go any further here now, okay? Elliot? Yes. I can't remember about Reed on this one. I know for sure that Elliot and Casey for sure were ready to run Drew Chrisman out of town on a rail before the competition ever started. Both you guys were ready to just tell Chrisman, get the hell out of Dodge. We all know what happened in the AFC Championship game last year and that big return that set up the winning field goal. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. But Chrisman, other than that, did a pretty damn good job for this team. And everybody around here could not get him out of here fast enough for a Michigan guy. <laughs> a man of, hey, a man of Michigan played well with Dax Hill last night. Tom, I got to ask you this question. I've never, I've never, 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 never have been a football coach. I've never had to dissect talent or anything. How can you miss on punting and kicking talent? Because they do one thing. You pretty much should just show up to the, to the field and say, all right, let me see you punt the ball. Yeah, you're pretty good at that. We'll take you. How can you miss on a punter? I, I, I just don't understand it, Tom. Brad well, Robbins is terrible. The field goal kickers, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, field goal kickers, it's all a mental game. Because all these guys, I mean, all, you know, there's some guy, maybe McPherson has a little bit stronger leg than the guy in, fill in the black, right? Uh, but it, it's such a mental game. And you see guys who are great with one team and they stink with another. You see guys that are great in college and they can't even – hang around for a year in the pros. But the punting game, I'm with you, Reed. I mean, I, I've never coached either, but I just sit there and say to myself, I mean, my Lord. And, and look, it, it's only through – I'm not going to – I'm not going to do what Reed uh, normally does in some cases or what Trace and Elliot and certainly Casey do in some cases. Casey's not as much if they wear a Bengals uniform. I'm not going to run a guy out of town after three games. I'm not going to do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not – I don't know. And little Zach, thank you very much for that question. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a lot of uh, esteemed, smart, intellectual, young beings around this office. I don't know where we're getting these questions from, but they do come in, and they are often they are often of high intellect. The one thing. Right, that, I have one uh, last question. I have one last question for you guys, right. um, because it's go. nice. You have a nice mix here of, of two Hamiltonians, and then you have Elliot and Casey. Okay. Oh, you yeah. Live elsewhere. What's like what's been the what's been the mood like in Hamilton these days? Uh, you know, where are we with the guy cutting the grass <laughs> or the asphalt? Where are we on on uh, like local shows down down along the river? You know, Reed, you and I have not done the swim across the um, the Great Miami. Uh, we still have time to do that. Water's still pretty warm. Um, so, what what is the mood right now? I'll answer that question, Tom. The mood's oh, I great. I can answer it. Uh, the, the mood's great. I mean, regardless of what Elliot's going to say here, I mean, you can make fun of a guy cutting cutting the sidewalk all you want, but the sidewalk's never long. I mean, he keeps does a nice job. It's always nice and short. He does a really good job. And for shows, um, 
Elliot's dad played in Hamilton just last Friday. That's true. And he put that's on a hell be, of a show. That's Tom be Rearing, tough. Tom in the Hub at the Hub. Yeah, so my dad my dad is a musician, Tom, and, and he performed yeah. here in Hamilton. Uh, and luckily, you know, the, the weather was good. There wasn't any chance of raining bullets like that, that happens at some festivals <laughs> here. So there, it was good weather, so nobody got shot. Um, <laughs> other than that, Hamilton's been great. Uh, there's been a couple people that walk around the street here, and they don't look like they've uh, they found what they're looking for yet. So <laughs> we'll hope they find it along the way at some point. The guy who's cutting grass is making up great ground. Tommy's walking all over this city, and here's the best part about him. He never finds actual grass. It's just sidewalk and cement. That's the best part about it. So, you know, one day I hope he finds some grass. Uh, but other than that, Hamilton's great. It's, my, it's honestly yeah. my favorite city in the whole world. Well, I got to tell you, one of my favorite quotes of all time, and this is going to be applicable on a number of different fronts, including our guy who, who, who was uh, walking around with a lawnmower. Uh, not all who wander are lost. Ooh, Ooh. that is nice. Yeah, I was yeah. hoping uh, the, the more Except I thought about it, <laughs> the, more, the, more I, <laughs> the more I thought about it, I was hoping that, you know what, if, 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 uh, if Chatterbox could find just a few more guys with the grit and determination of that guy that walks around with that lawnmower every single day, we'd be getting places. We'd be going places. But, you know, we, you know we, we're around here. We got, we well, got I wish soft. he was around here today because I got to cut mine today. I wish he was around here because I'm not excited about doing it. Tom, Tom I'll, I'll, do you want me to send him to you? I'll send them right to your house. I'll send them right to your house. It's a long walk. I, I might be in Cleveland by the time he gets here, but okay. it's a long walk. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Any, anybody around the room have anything to say to Tom before he uh, takes off and hopefully gets a clean bill of health? And if I, I mean, I'll tell you what, if you send a text that says you're back Monday, I'm going to, I'm throwing a party at my house by myself. Me too. Me too. So. Anybody? anybody no, I just, we miss anything? you, Tom. We miss yeah, you, Tom. I miss you guys. I miss, well, are your cubbies going to make it, Reed? Yay or nay? Uh, they got a big sweep over the weekend. I don't know. I don't know. That's the, that's the beauty of, uh, of watching sports. You don't know. I, they've got a tough six-game stretch, although both those teams have nothing to play in the Braves and the Brewers, but they're still damn good teams. We get to see Justin Steele pitch twice. Um, they don't have any tiebreakers. they got to win four out of the next six. So we'll see. We'll see. It starts tonight. Casey? Yeah, Tom, I miss you. Miss you a lot. Um, Notre Dame, they really failed me. My my fighting leprechauns, they um they just went yep. straight in the tank. And uh, yep. ten guys on the field is unacceptable. Tom, I'll I, just put it like that. Tom, yeah, I have a believe. question. Did after Ryan Day's post game conference or post game speech that he had, um, were you ready to fight Lou Holtz too? Because I was well, fired no, I up. Tell you, you know, it's fun. it's interesting you bring that up, Reed, because um, uh, we went down, my wife and I was parents weekend down at TCU this past weekend. So we, we, we were, we were down there and we're getting ready, uh, to go meet her and, and go to dinner on Friday night. And they were replaying Pat McAfee's show. And I just happened to be watching for, we would never even normally even have that on in the room. And, 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 and I happened to be watching when Lou Holtz came on. Now my wife's a Notre Dame alum, so she loves Notre Dame. So we're sitting there and she wanted to see Lou, Lou Holtz. You know, everybody remembers Lou Holtz and won a national championship, great coach, Hall of Famer, all, all that stuff. But when I heard what he said, I looked at her and I said, you know, this is bullshit. I mean, this is really bullshit. It really is. I mean, for him to name Ryan Day and to name the five losses the guy has had in the last four years, I mean, you're, and, and then to tie that together, 
his name with basically calling them soft. I just thought to myself, you know, look, if, if, if some former player did it, you know, if that would have been fill in the blank, some guy from Notre Dame, right? I would have been like, like, you know, say Mike Golick did it. I'd have been like, okay, that's funny. Nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. But when one coach does it to another coach, and these guys know how hard coaching is and how hard it is to try and live up to the pressure of a program like Holtz had at Notre Dame and Day has at Ohio State and Harbaugh has at Michigan and Saban and Kirby Smart. I mean, the pressure is enormous. And, and to throw that out there and how hard it is to be the head coach at those places. And, and, and I just thought to myself, you know, who in the world would say such a thing? So, I mean, I have to tell you, now, I'm an Ohio State fan, so, you know, they won the game. I had no problem with Ryan Day. I think a lot of it was his frustration with his team when I think it, I think it's even in the game itself, as I brought up earlier. If you were going to pick on Ohio State for being soft, there are plays in that game. You could say, you know what? If you don't want to be soft, then run the ball, right? Fourth and goal at the one, not a jet sweep on fourth and one when you're, you're trying to go in and basically ice the game. You don't hand it off to Ibuka right there on a jet sweep. Mm -hmm. You just line up and run the ball one yard and go get him. But, you know, look, I mean, I have no problem with him defending himself, defending his team, defending his program, and his program doesn't need defending. But but when somebody else calls you out, hey, you know, and, so, and the people who say, oh, an 86-year, I don't care how old the guy is. He said it, okay? And he meant it, and that's okay. He's allowed to have his opinion. But Ryan Day's allowed to have his, too. Do you think Ryan Day could beat Lou Holtz in a fight? <laughs> I want to see it, Tom. They should, they should fight each other. No, it, nobody Pay-per-view. God bless Lou Holtz. God bless him. He has been good for the sport of football for a long, long time. Great coach. But, you know, look, hey, is he full of baloney nine times out of ten? He is, but it's great to listen to because it, it, it's just like somebody pointed out this weekend. You, you know, and we've talked about this show on the show a lot, and, and I made reference to David Bell earlier on. David Bell's done a great job here. Ryan Day, in a lot of ways, has been like David Bell at Ohio State. He doesn't get all worked up and animated and all that kind of stuff, say, like Urban Meyer did. And with Urban Meyer, you knew whether they were winning, losing, playing good, playing bad, whether he was pissed or whether he felt good about the way they were playing. You knew it just by looking at him. With Ryan Day, you just don't know. I would rather have the guys who are going to show some emotion and, and like they did the other night. I think that that potentially could be very much a rallying cry for him with that fan base. Now, if they lose to Michigan again or if they lose to Penn State in a couple of weeks, all bets are off. But this is the first time I think that that program now looks at him and says, hey, man, this guy from New Hampshire, this is now our guy here in Ohio. All right, Tom. Well, like I said before, I'll say it again. We Lou miss Holtz. you. We're uh, we are we are very hopeful that you will uh, that you'll be back. Hopefully Monday. If not, me too. I can't we'll wait. wait. We got to get it rolling. We'll we got a lot. We, we got a lot uh, to get to, boys. Including we do. the weather. It's going to change, and <laughs> no we just got to make sure we are on it. That's why when Elliot started off about it's sunny, it's going to be sunny. I'm thinking to myself, it's supposed to rain in the next two days. Good thing he picked up on it. <laughs> yeah, he did pick up on it. Well, the good news is, is that, as he always says, you do have a phone that has a weather app on it in case you need to check it at any moment, at any time. That is <laughs> but the it's beauty. never right. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's right, Tom. But here's the thing, Tom. Meteorologists get paid all the same. They'll never be right once, but they, they get paid 800 k just, to, just hey. to be wrong the entire time. 
That's a good gig if you can find it, brother. Sounds good to me as well. All right, Tom. I appreciate you jumping on here. You spent a lot of time with you. You sound great. You look great. Can't wait to have you back. All right, boys. Thanks. All right. The man himself on his own show, Tom Brenneman. Um, I, I genuinely mean this. I got, I, that's the best news I've gotten in a month. Like the fact that he might be back here Monday. You have no idea. You have no idea. Not, not just that you guys think that it's going to be a better show because it will. And I know that people think, oh yeah, you're being funny. Like, no, it's going to be a better show. Like it will be a better show with Tom Brenneman, uh, sitting behind this desk. And yes, I do still plan to be be here in the room. We can we can have fun. We can banter. Do all the all the uh, for the very very small majority of the people uh, or minority, I think is the right term to use there. Uh, that that might enjoy the the takes that I have from time to time. I'll still stay in the room, but to to, to be able to uh, come in here and um, ride the coattails of Tom Burnham, and I I can't wait to do that. Uh, he said one thing that I thought was interesting about Ryan Day was that he felt like very much similar to how I felt, which is Ryan Day's frustration maybe wasn't so much just Lou Holtz as it was just everything that has come along the way for Ryan Day. He's been a great coach at Ohio State, just hasn't got over the hump, and I think that he's right there. He's right there. Now, whether or not it ultimately happens, you never know because it's really hard to win football games in college football at the elite level, especially when you have all the pressure in the world of a program like Ohio State, and you know all the programs. We don't need to list them through. But there's only a select few programs in this country where if you lose one game a year, your fan base could be pissed off. Ryan Day's at one of them. We'll find out if he can find a way to get over the hump, whether it's this year or in, in, in the near future. But I think most people that are rational, Ryan Day is a good head football coach. Now, to his point, maybe Ohio State uses this as a way to, to, to rally around their head coach because he's not really done that all that often. As a Georgia fan, there was a guy named Mark Rick that headed the program for a really long time. He reminds me a little bit of what Ryan Day was. A little soft-spoken, doesn't get fired up all that often. But when Mark Rick would get fired up, it made a big deal. Kind of like the guy that yells all the time. At some point, you just kind of tune it out because you just, oh, there he goes, he's yelling again. It doesn't mean as much. When somebody starts getting fired up that usually doesn't get fired up, it can help. It can help. We'll see if Ohio State can rally. Um... I know you love college football, Reed. I do. I know it's the you'll... best sport in the world. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's a fair bit that you keep doing. I mean, it's entertaining. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Five-hour games, big big marching band, 30-point <laughs> spreads. That's awesome. That, that's great product. That, that really is truly great. And then when you do have a great game, like Notre Dame, Ohio State, what happens? You get a you get a WWE promo right after the game. You get you get Ryan Day defending his his manlyhood, defending that he is a man, that he is tough, and just yells at an 86 year old. It was great. It was great stuff, guys. College football, fantastic. Uh, David Brown points out that Ryan Day is 17 and si 17 and six against ranked teams, the best in the country. That could be a little misleading, though, David. I mean, if you're playing the 25th-ranked team versus the 5th-ranked team a lot, could, it could be a little misleading. I'm not trying to downplay the stat. I'm just saying that it could be a little misleading. Um, we were fortunate enough to have a guy named Kyle Kasky who does this show. Uh, or not does this show, but does a show on our platform. It is called Chatterbox Clicker. It is every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. And he knows way more about football than we do, quite frankly. 
He was fortunate enough to send over some clips. He wasn't able to join the show live, but he was fortunate enough to send over some clips. I walk in the studio today, and uh, uh, Casey tells me, hey, we got some clips from Kyle. Uh, we can run through them. I said, we? We can run through them. I don't have a damn. I, I, you, you couldn't convince me what the difference between Mike and Sam linebackers are. Now, I know it's a strong side, weak side, but if you literally said life or death, if you said, Trace, life or death, that you have to pick the Mike and the Sam out between these 11 guys, if you get it, if you get it right, you win $10 million. If you get it wrong, you're dead. I'm passing on that. I'm passing. I'm not taking a chance on it. I don't feel, I don't feel that confident in it. Fortunately, Casey said, I got this. I can help with this. So, without further ado, oh, oh. we'll send it over. What? We'll send it over to Casey so he can run through the tape, baby. We did it. Run through the tape. We did it. I just we wanted did to make sure you guys knew that I could do it, but now I'm going to go back to farther. Go ahead, yeah. Casey. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm also not doing it all by myself. I mean, I've got a little help here from Kyle Cassie. He's got it all written out here for me. But we're going to just start with the uh, with the offense. He's got a lot of offensive clips today. I think he's going to go through a lot of that because that seems to be the biggest issue with the Bengals right now. I'm sure he'll go over some defense, but defense was pretty dominant. So let's just start with the the RPO action. We're in the first quarter, two minutes left in the game. Joe Burrow, he's going to be uh, reading – one of these linebackers here, right there, you see it circled right there. And uh, he's going to see that he vacates the area. And he's going to hit Jamar Chase on this button hook right here. As soon as it finishes up there, yep. There we go. See right there? Easy first down. Got to like that. Think we get another angle of it? Yep. The end zone angle of this. You see... Where Burrow's eyes are, looks right at him, throws it right there, boom, first down. <laughs> and then uh, let's go to the touchdown here. Let's go to the touchdown. The Bengals are running a power play here. They're running a gap scheme here. Uh, Orlando Brown gets to the linebacker, opens up space for Joe Mixon to easily get in for the touchdown. And you'll see here, Volson's a really important part of this play here. You can see that he, he has to get this, this nose sealed up. He's got to get this guy sealed. If he can't do that, then this play just does not work. It doesn't happen. And on top of that, I think that's Drew Sample there, 89 to the left of uh, Orlando. If he doesn't make the block here, I mean, this play just doesn't work. But, man, look at this. This is the thing of beauty. Wide open hole, easy space for Joe Mixon to work. And let's see here. Let's look at some of the bad stuff, right? Let's look at some of the bad stuff. Uh, I think it's this play. This play right here. This is a, just a shot of Joe Burrow. I mean, you can see here he can't really push off that back foot very well. Um, I'll back it up just a little bit so you all can see this. But, I mean, there is no power coming from this back leg here. I want you to look at the back foot. I mean, that's just not good. That's all upper body, very inaccurate throw. And then Volson. I mean, he did not have a great game. He just got bullied a lot by, by Aaron Donald there, as you can see. Um, he just got swim moved in between, broke the double team there. I mean, Aaron Donald is being double teamed, but, you know, it's, it's tough when you uh, give up leverage there. So that's pretty much what uh, some of the teases 
some of the teases that uh, Kasky wanted to go over, and he's going to have a lot more for you tonight, 9 p.m. Be there. Be there. Or be square. And, and don't be square. Watch what happened last night. And he, he says it's going to be one of the better shows that he's done. He's, he put on a lot of effort last night to, to uh, you know, get this ready for, for tonight. You know, it's a quick turnaround. So be there, be square, or don't be square. Yeah, it is a quick turnaround, and uh, Kyle does a good job as usual. If he thinks it's going to be one of his best shows, it probably is going to be really, 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 really good. Um, it's one of those things where, again, when you when you really dissect what happens in a football game, the average person that just screams and yells at the TV like myself um, perhaps doesn't know anything at all, and you realize that when you watch his show, but, you know, it is interesting. It is nice to see kind of how things develop, how they play out, what the difference between a successful play and, and an unsuccessful play is, and oftentimes the margin of that – are very, very small. Again, as a reminder, Kyle Kasky show, Shadowbox Clicker is on this same YouTube channel tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Speaking of YouTube, we got a couple things going on right now. Number one, I might have put myself in quite a hole. Uh, I offered the chat that I'd drive to Cleveland after the show uh -oh. and didn't uh -oh. support the Reds if we got to 100 likes. Uh, that's not great. I shouldn't have done that. That was a bad, that, you know what? Hand up. That was a bad call on my part. Only um, more likes. If it, hap if more. it happens, I don't. I mean, I would have to talk to my boss and see what kind of camera is going to be on me. But I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to promise anything. I can't promise. The other thing, we are at nine point nine thousand, nine point nine nine thousand subscribers on YouTube. I'd love to get the ten thousand subscriber before the show ends. Nine, so if we can nine, make that nine, happen. Yeah, 10, ten or less. We need ten. nine more. We need nine more subscribers. The ten thousand subscriber will get a high five from me. If, wow. we get, if we get 100 likes, I will not be on the show next week. I'll suspend myself from the show. So yeah. if we get to 100 likes, I'll yeah, suspend Yeah, if we get 100 myself. likes, everybody's taking a vacation. I suspend, my, suspend myself from the show for a whole week. Just need nine more likes. Ten more likes. Oh, I know that's going to happen. Right. That's a guarantee at this point. Um, this, is the, this is the friendly reminder uh, towards the back end of the show that uh, you are very much appreciated. I said last week that we were going to do some, uh, some new things around here, and we are going to do that, and I'm excited for that. It's going to take me a little bit of time to kind of get all of the, what is it, all of your eggs in a basket or all your ducks in a row, I think is the right word. All your ducks in a row is what I'm, is what I'm going for here. Um, and when I do that, we will make the announcement about the memberships for the YouTube. The other thing that I think that I'm excited about as well, and I get that people probably on this Tuesday morning are more interested in maybe the Bengals talk, which is why we spent, a while, which is why we spent most of our show talking about the Bengals, and rightfully so. Uh, but obviously, as a guy that did a show, for the most part, every single night for the Cincinnati Reds, um, I am extremely excited about the future of this franchise. I know that Tom is a guy that kind of leans off of the idea of, of, of the future thing, but listen... It's not hard to see what the future could hold for the Cincinnati Reds. Is it a guarantee that they're going to automatically be, be relevant? Of course not. But when you have this many rookies and this much, this much young talent, it's hard not to believe that there's going to be meaningful baseball very, very soon down there at Great American Ballpark when it gets a little crisp in the air. I was walking, uh, I was walking uh, outside of Paycor the other night um, after the game. I left. I parked down there behind Heritage Bank. Um, no free ads, but... They got one, but I parked down there and I was walking, I was walking right down, um, uh, Freeman and 
there's just something about the ballpark lights at Great American being on, it being it being hoodie type weather. And I can't wait for that to be back in this city. For all intents and purposes, it's been a very, very long time since there's been games inside of that ballpark when the weather's been cold enough to have a hoodie on. Outside of obviously April when they start the season. March this upcoming year. It's not to be intended to be an exclusive group of what we're doing. But this past Friday, I did purchase season tickets as a group. Uh, Chatterbox purchased six, six seats. Um, they are not in the bleachers. They are relatively decent seats. I don't, wanna, I don't want to, again, divulge too much of the plan. But my hope is, is that we obviously always focus on providing the best content we possibly can at this, at, at, at this specific organization that is Chatterbox Sports. But obviously, when it comes to the Reds, I, I, I know there's a lot of people that cover the Bengals, so I don't know how confident I am in saying this. But I am confident in saying that going into this winter, going into next season, there will not be a place that's better to follow the Cincinnati Reds in regards to, to, to um, digital content and content in general than our platform. As a part of that, we're going to have a group. What we call it yet, I don't know. But it's going to come with tickets. And it's going to come with the opportunity to, to, to get postseason tickets at face value if you're a part of the group. Because the ultimate reason that many people purchase season tickets more or less is because they want to have the ability to see their team play when it matters the most. And I wanted to create an opportunity for all the people that genuinely love that franchise and love the Reds, a chance to not have to spend a thousand plus dollars to get season tickets, to get them the opportunity to purchase a postseason ticket. So the goal is simple. There will be a monthly paywall, but if you pay within an annual membership, it's going to be south of $250 for the entire year. It's going to come with eight tickets that pretty much pays for the, that, 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 that your annual membership pretty much pays for the tickets. You're going to get the content for free. Here's the sad part. And I know Casey's telling me I could just add tickets and this, that, and the other. I'm not sure if we're going to do that because the financial risk on our end is very, very vast. To be honest, it's a lot of money that we spent on the tickets. But there's only going to be allowed 80 people in this said group. So I'm telling you this because before we announce it on socials and all those other things, the people that care the most about our products and our shows watch these live shows on a daily basis. I'm going to make that announcement once the season is over, because right now the season's not dead. You can scoff, you can laugh, you can say whatever you want. If the Reds go 5-0, which is, which, is, which is a reasonable thing to believe, it's not a probable thing to believe, but it's a reasonable thing to possibly believe. I'm not going to get ahead of my skis here. Until this season is officially dead, we're not going to talk about next year. The Cincinnati Reds play tonight against the Guardians. If you're a betting man, go to Betfred Sportsbook right now, you will see that they are, it is even money. 
50-50 chance tonight. Hunter Green's going. Haven't gotten the opportunity to look yet, but I'd assume Matt McLean's going to be back. And who knows? If you want to count them dead, be my guess. But I get, I, I'd be willing to bet you watch the game tonight. And if you're going to watch the game tonight, my question is, is why, why are you watching? The reason you're watching is because it's just not dead. Could the Reds be in a better, a better situation if they took care of business? Certainly the last homestand? Of course. Was it depleting? Like, was it, was it incredible depleting to, to, to watch the day game uh, against the Twins? And you blow a, a, a late lead. You turn around on Friday. You have another lead. You blow that one. You have a nine-run lead, as we mentioned before, a historic loss on Saturday. Yes. But Joey Votto also played his final home game at Great American Ballpark on Sunday, and they found a way to win. Whether you want to watch because you think the season's still alive or you want to watch because Joey Votto's only going to play for your professional franchise that you love five more times, I'd say they're both reasonable reasons to watch. I don't know if I should save the full Joey Votto appreciation rant for when it's officially over or do it now. But maybe as a precursor to that full-fledged rant, I'll just say this. Joey Votto has been, a, has been an incredible player for this team for a very, very long time. Yes, he did get paid a lot of money. Yes, he did get paid a lot of money. But like it or not, the amount of money that you get paid doesn't always correlate to your production and it doesn't correlate certainly to your professionalism when it comes to caring about your craft. Say whatever you want about Joey Votto. You don't like his style. You think he's a little odd. You don't like the fact that he walked a lot. You'd rather him get base hits. You'd rather, you'd rather your first baseman hit with power. You don't like the fact that he got paid $250 plus million and that, that hamstrung the organization to be able to go out and spend money in areas that matter. You can't, for a single second, doubt the commitment that he had to being the best baseball player that he could possibly be. And for that was truly his only real job. You can't pay for production. That's not how it works. What you pay for is the commitment for someone to try to be the best they can possibly be in your trust, in your belief that they will produce. For those that want to sit here and say, well, he's getting paid, he's got to produce. If I gave you a week and I told you to run a mile in six minutes, If I paid you $300 million or I paid you $10, do you think that if you really cared about the $10 and the $300 million, the vast difference in the money that you get paid would actually make a difference with how fast you could eventually run? You either work hard or you don't. You either care or you don't. You either commit to trying to be the best you can possibly be or you don't. 
and Joey Votto say whatever you want about him. Did exactly that for this franchise for as long as he put that uniform on. And if you can't appreciate that, then I feel sorry for you. All right. We have 10 minutes left in the show. Power rankings. We have NFL power rankings. My power rankings probably aren't going to look the same anymore. But I might just make them the same because that's just what I, what I might do for the rest of the year. We'll see where it ultimately ends up going. I know that there's already one bit in this segment, and that's Elliot Rearings. Why do you say that? Well, because it's just who you are. <laughs> it's what you do. It's respectful. And there's nothing wrong with that. He thinks, he thinks you're a jokester. He doesn't think you're a serious person, Elliot. <laughs> I don't get. I don't know. What have I done to right. make you think that? Right. What have I disrespectful? What have I done to make you think that? He asked. Elliot's out here grinding, giving serious take, being an honest person, and you're gonna sit here and call him a jester? You're gonna call him a joker? Does he make you laugh? What? This is a serious person. This is a serious show, Trace. And this is a very serious Lock sports talk show. Lock so it I'm gonna, in. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to be better. Lock it in. Casey, could you do me a favor here? Yeah, what's uh, up? Do you have the live count of the subs on our channel? <laughs> I do will they find do it. that or yeah, no? Yeah, I'll find it. I'll okay. Find it. Well, while, you, while he's working on that, um, we'll start off with, I guess, the first top five power rankings of the NFL. Yeah. That belongs to who goes first, Casey? Hold on. Let me get it. Hold on. Everybody calm down. Oh, this is Elliot. Everybody, well, yeah, because you made him do the other thing. So okay. Gotcha. I'm making people do certain things, and then it requires someone else to do something else. Correct. And I'm, I'm, I'm throwing everything through a loop. Yeah. This, is all, this all comes back to my fault I got now. it. I got it. I got this it. This is my fault Everything's not loading. Who's, who's power rankings are we doing first? Do I don't traces. know. You is tell it, me. Who's on first? Tra- What's his, on second? Traces is the worst. Go do Traces first. Oh, Traces is the worst. Traces is the worst. All right. This is Traces power rankings and graphic overlay. All right. My top five. How is it the worst? Because the Cowboys just lost to the Cardinals. Big deal. It's one week in the NFL. The Dolphins, Stuff just, the Dolphins just scored 70 points. Okay. They play the Broncos. Poverty. Franchise. Let's ride. Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're, they're riding all right. Not a Poverty Best franchise. Best of luck to them. Um, you know, if I had to flip it, obviously, I, I, would, I, would, take, I would take the Cowboys down below the, below the Niners. Um, and I would leave the Dolphins there because I don't know if I fully believe in the Dolphins. Because of their defense. However, their offense does look really, really good. But again, I'll continue to say this until I'm blue in the face. I don't believe they'll stay healthy for the rest of the year, which is why I'm going to leave them right there. All right. Elliot, you want to go or do you want me to go? I'd love to go. All right. Elliot. Elliot's top five power rankings. Here we go. Look at this. All right. First, we have the Dolphins. They just dropped a 70-burger. Uh, it's happened like three times in NFL history. They're 3-0. They're the best team in the league. Number two, we have the 49ers. They also just wallop everybody they play. They're 3-0. and uh, They're badass. 49ers are damn good. Eagles, they're 3-0. and They win another one last night, 25-11 against the Poverty Bucks. It was, a, it was, I mean, it was a good game for them. It was a terrible game for the Bucks. So, Eagles are legit. Eagles are a contender in the NFC. At number four, we have Bengals with an unhealthy Joe Burrow. Unhealthy Joe Burrow because, uh, oh, my fifth bit didn't make the cut. <coughs> I see my fifth bit didn't make the cut. Your fit bit? All right. So at, fi- so at fourth, we have the Bengals with unhealthy Joe Burrow. 
even as an unhealthy Joe Burrow, the Bengals are still good. They won last night. We're back. And the Chargers, and again, I, I guess what's somehow – What's your actual fifth team? It was deleted. My fifth team was the Chargers, but then in parentheses I had Justin Herbert with Tyree Kill. Because if he had Tyree Kill, they'd be the best team in the league. Uh, and that's what everybody tells me on Twitter. So if Justin Herbert had Tyree Kill, the one and two Chargers would actually be 17-0. and 0. So that's my bit. And honestly, the whole thing's ruined, and I really – I mean, the whole, the whole joke's dead. <laughs> I like I like how the Chargers need Tyree Kill because they need more offense. That's that's yeah, what that that's, that's what that team's missing. Just just some more some more points up there. All right, good bit, good bit. Let's go oh, ahead. Ruined. Somebody ruined my bit. Let's go ahead and put my top five rankings up here. Dun, 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 dun. Reads top five rankings coming in at number one. The Philadelphia Eagles. They look really good. The reason I have them number one, as opposed to a team like the 49ers, who they both have complete rosters, is the Eagles are just a little more complete because they got Jalen Hurts. And you know my take on quarterback, which is why I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the second best team in the league. They've got the best quarterback in the league, and that goes a long way. I also think they got the best coach in the league. Um, coming in at number three, the 49ers, they are all pro at literally every single position other than quarterback. For that reason, I can't put them any higher, but they're still number three just because they're a load. Dolphins, you score 70 points. You should be in the top five rankings. I didn't have them last week. I still think that a, a brisk wind can knock over Tua and his career's over. Um, so that's why I can't put them any higher. Um, so he's, they're number four. And the Bills have scored 35-plus points in consecutive weeks. I think that they are still one of the best teams in the NFL. They haven't had that big win in their franchise. They keep We keep putting them at the top of the list as Super Bowl contenders, but they haven't had that big win. They're still very talented. Josh Allen's still a dude. The Bills are number five. That was my power rankings. Love that. And I also love the fact that uh, we are sitting right on the edge of greatness, as they say. 9,993. For those that are watching in here, we have 160-plus people watching on this lovely Tuesday close to afternoon. Not quite there yet. If you have not subscribed, all you have to do, all you have to do is hit the subscribe button right below, right below the title. Not hard. And you know what? While you're at it, just go ahead and hit the notification bell as well because you want to know when we go live. Why? Because... Hopefully you like the show. Nine 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 five. Man, we are we are. This is live tracking. Can we get there or not? Can we get there or not? Is the we're question sta- of we're the staying day. on. We're staying we on. Were, we're staying live. We're staying live. We'll do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Uh oh. Things suck. Things. Uh oh. Uh oh. We're getting close. Uh-oh. Oh, three more. Oh, oh, three more. Three more. No content the rest of the show. We're just staying live We're until just we get to 10,000. We're just going to stay 10, live 000. right here. So if you want to see us get to 10,000, you stay on here and you support us. If if we did a Tuesday chat power rank. There it is. Hey! Hey! 10,000. Hey! Congratulations to everyone. Uh, uh, keep that on there. Go. Keep that on there. 10,001. Uh, uh, I was going to unsubscribe. How about that? I was going to unsubscribe. Now, when you guys, I'm new to Chatterbox. Well, I'm not actually new. I was hired three years ago. I, I worked the iPads. But I, the but, iPads. but this year, I'm kind of new. Mm-hmm. So did you guys ever think you guys would get 10,000 subscribers? Well, before Elliot, it wasn't even it wasn't even possible. Like, we couldn't even imagine getting to 10K yeah. before we had Elliot. Now we have Elliot, and, you know, ceiling is the roof. So here's the thing with that. Um, it, it, certainly, I, I always kind of... Uh, 
used to laugh or well, I'd laugh. I'd kind of, you know, be a little snarky about the idea of when people would get all excited and, and put on social media, how many followers they have, this, that, and the other. And the truth is, 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 is usually it's, uh, it's an, it's an, it's an accomplishment, yes, but is it the main goal? Of course, of course it's not. Um, the thing about that is this. When we first started the show, I do remember uh, there being some comments when we started this YouTube channel, which we've had for years. We've just never used it. We've never, we've never put any content on it. We never had a reason to. So on the platform, when, you first, when we first announced that Tom, Tom was going to do the show with us and he was going to do a daily sports talk show on our YouTube channel, uh, we had not put really any content out on it at all. I think we had probably, I don't know, 30 subs, 30 or 35 subscribers on the channel. And one of the very first comments was, uh, was basically somebody trashing the fact that Tom Brennan was doing a show on a YouTube account that has 30 people that are subscribed to it. Almost as if that's a joke. Uh, for, for a half a second here, I will say that uh, when we started Chatterbox Sports, never in our wildest dreams did we get to a place where this would be a thing. It just wasn't. It wasn't a part of the plan. The plan all along was to cover high school sports, try to do it in a little bit of a way. It was semi-hobby. And we found ourselves in a position where I've said before on a different platform, on a different show uh, of how we kind of ultimately got to where we're at. I think there's a misconception out there about how you get to a place that we've gotten to. And... The only way to truly get here is to grind, bust your ass, and do things that no one else is willing to do. There's a reason there's not many chatterbox sports out there in this world. And it's largely because of what you have to do to get here. To sit here and say that I thought it was worth it every step of the way, it would be a lie. There would be times when I would go home and I would ask the question, why do I continue to do this when in reality we don't get paid hardly anything? There's no really end in sight. Is 10,000 subs today mean we made it? Of course it doesn't. But I sit here and I watch a chat, a community, whatever term you want to use that truly enjoys having fun with each other on a daily basis. We make life go a little bit better. And ultimately, that's why I started Chatterbox. I started with Sean. We brought on Reed. And the whole goal was really just to try to make life go a little bit better. We love sports. We wanted to talk about sports. We wanted to get ourselves in a position where we covered sports at the high school level a little bit better than everybody else. One thing led to the next. And we get ourselves now into a position where... Making it is a strong term. I don't want to say we've made it. That would be the incorrect term to use here. But it certainly feels like we're getting somewhere. And I just want to say to you, thank you for watching this show. Thank you for supporting our channels. Thank you for interacting with us on social media. Thank you for stopping us when we're at random games and saying that you like the show, that you support the show, that you love what we're doing. And thank you for passing along to the next person. We're a small company. We are as small of a company as one can get. I think that the mirage sometimes of the studio, the, 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 the production level of what we do, uh, makes it appear perhaps sometimes that we're bigger than we really are. We care about what we put out. We want it to look nice. We want it to sound great. We want people to enjoy the content and believe that we are just as big as a X company. No free ads to them, but you know who they are. 
Are we trying to mimic them? Are we trying to copy them? Are we trying to be like them? No. All we genuinely are trying to do is to create content that we're proud about and talk about teams and things that we care about, which just so happens to be about Cincinnati sports. Where this goes from here, I have no idea. I say I have no idea, not because there's not a plan, but because if you'd have told me where we are at now, four years ago, I would have said, you're a liar. So this is a long-winded saying, this is a long-winded way of saying, thank you, genuinely. Because it would be really hard to do this show if there was four people watching every day, wouldn't it? It'd be really hard to convince advertisers that they should try to take a chance on a small company that, that doesn't have X department to show X analytics. We're not Google, we're not Amazon, we're not iHeart, we're none of those. We don't have a graphics department, we don't have a, an accounts receivable department, we don't have a video coordinating department. The people that you watch on this show and the, and, and, and the people that you come to know of what Chatterbox Sports is, I'm here to tell you, for the most part, wear all the hats. They do it all. There's a lot of people in this office right now that have busted their ass for a long, long time, and they, 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 they have not had weekends in the fall for years. We run the bash. Yes, do we love it? We run it because we have to keep the lights on. We run around with a video board that we fortunately own all over, the, all over the globe to try to make sure that ends are met. We don't have a ton of advertisers largely because we don't have a sales department. And we don't have a sales department because ultimately we've just not gotten there yet. We've not taken on venture capitalism largely because when you take on venture capitalism people, things change. Expectations change. They want more. It turns, into, it turns into everything, then turns into money. It all becomes money-driven. Could you try to hold the pieces together and keep the show the same with venture capitalism? Sure. But the only real way to grow and continue to grow and to keep things the relatively the way that you'd like to keep them is to have supporters of what you're doing, is to grow by numbers. And we've grown by numbers because of people like you. Super chats, people that want to pay for, pay for uh, uh, paywall things that we've done. They want to go down and support the bash. You want to like the stream. You want to comment on the stream. We've done this just barely over a year. I must give a shout out to Oklahoma softball because they helped us get to 10,000. We thought our account got hacked one morning. It just turns out that we were doing an Oklahoma softball game on a, on a Saturday. We had subscribers coming in by the thousands. But that still doesn't take away from what we just accomplished. Does it mean we've made it? Of course not. But to go from zero subscribers for the most part to 10,000 in one year, I don't want to take it lightly, and I want you to know the only reason that I'm bringing this up and making somewhat of a big deal about it is because that you watch this show and you tell other people about it. We'll see where it ultimately goes, but we'll continue to fight on, we'll continue to press on, and we'll continue to say thank you to all of you. Thank you for the super chat. Ricky Logan says it's the best on YouTube, proud chatterbox, Onion.
Chatterbox Tonian. You're a nutcutter as well. So thank you to all of you. Thank you to all the people that were here from the very beginning. We know who you are. And thank you to the people that just came around because we need to continue to grow to make this whole thing make sense. And in order to make it make sense, we need you. I'm four minutes past is what they say. Oh, no, we got 100 likes. <laughs> what is it? We got we got a hundred likes. Reminder, reminder, we got a hundred likes. Elliot's gonna drive to Cleveland. <laughs> I will not be on the show next week. I'm a man of my word. So yeah, thanks for the hundred likes. I don't know what we do here. How are you gonna drive to Cleveland when we're on that paper chasing grind? I don't know what we're supposed to. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. I did I did say I'd do that, but if I'm gonna be honest with you, we haven't hit a hundred likes on this show in quite some time. I just didn't think it was I didn't think it was feasible. So I don't know what I don't know what you guys want me to do about that. It's like a five-hour drive, by the way. Yeah, I'm have no, fun I'm, with that. No, I'm aware of how long of a drive it is. I don't know. What, I don't know what I'm supposed. There's to There's a casino do. right next to the stadium. That, I mean, that won't help me. That won't help me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Is there? I mean, is there a contingency plan here? Casey, can you get the subscriber count up? We lost one. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're at 10,001. Are we? Yeah. Okay, good. Elliot is, uh, Elliot, Elliot Trace, is, Trace, uh, Elliot Tra is really... Trace is going to have to decide what I do here. Because I, I, if I'm going to be honest, I don't want to go. But I, I said I would. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. I didn't think you guys would get it. I didn't think you guys would get it. This is quite a predicament. I'm I mean, going to be a man of my word. I'm not going to be on the show next week. That's fair. Susp suspended without pay. Is there an alternative punishment you guys would have me do? Is there an alternative punishment? I will drive to Cleveland if that's what you guys want. But here's the thing about doing that. That would ruin my day. I mean, that would just, especially if I, if I, if I go up there tonight and Hunter Green were to lose, I mean, <laughs> I would be a dead person. I Here, wouldn't be alive. Here's the thing that I, I've got it. I mean, listen, if Elliot I, and I plan on hope and I'm hopeful, uh, God willing, that Elliot is, is around Chatterbox for a very, very long time. The one main goal that I have with him is, is, is not to, you know, maybe come up with some way of, of him helping the company and doing this, that and the other, you know, besides, we'll get that out of the way. It's really to turn Elliot's Elliot's perception and mindset of fandom just a little bit. I'm not saying he has to be overly optimistic all the time. Certainly not. But my man has been beaten down for so long. It's like an abused puppy. You walk around him, you go to pet him, and they, he jumps back. I got to get my man to start believing a little bit. The first thing he thinks about when he says, I got to go to Cleveland, is that, one, he might have to go all the way up there and watch the Reds lose. He didn't think for a half a second that he could go up there and watch <laughs> Hunter Green throw a perfect game. That never crossed his mind. What did cross his mind was driving up there and watching Hunter Green blow it. we got to figure out a way to change that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it overnight. I don't expect to. But just like, in a, just like a puppy that's, that's, that's been ridiculed, you go to the shelter, you treat them nice long enough, they'll finally come out of their shell. We'll see if we can't do that to Elliot. Maybe it'll be a collective effort. So just so, just so we can clear up a couple of things here, as a boss, are you vetoing this drive to Cleveland? I don't know. I got to give it some thought. I, I left it up to the chat. I made it a chat poll question. Well, they, Should they, Elliot have to go to Cleveland or do a worse punishment? I mean, that's. I don't listen. I, I put myself in this hole. What would be worse than going to Cleveland? Yeah, there's ah, nothing. I mean, don't ask Jakeem Noah. I would need if, if I'm going to Cleveland, I would need somebody. I mean, I, I need someone to film it. So I, I, I mean, that's the that's that's the that's the crux of this predicament. 
So I, there's a chance I can go to Cleveland, but somebody has to go with me. Mouse Cop, if you go with me and film the whole thing, I'll go. Mouse Cop? You about that paper chasing? You about that grind? <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only contingency because I can't go down there for no content. I would be leaving today early and I'd have to be filming for content. Are you saying all day. that you can't vlog by yourself? I can vlog by myself, but I, I can't I, I can't do it while I'm driving and stuff. I can't do I can't do everything. Ricky wants us to shave your head live. I don't like that one, Ricky. I'm not gonna I don't like that. I, Ricky, if the Reds make the playoffs, I'm shaving my head. <laughs> Why do you do that? Why do you know. do that to yourself? I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to it. I don't want to go to Cleveland. What if Elliot and Smelly it went? <laughs> Those people aren't real. I, I still think some of these burners are you two, but I don't know. We'll see what Trace is Smelly we'll see what, we'll see. Am I about that this is thing? We've essentially crossed into box lunch territory now. Uh, off the bench is over. Shout out to Off the Bench. Um, As a reminder, box lunch will be back when Tom comes back. And that's we right. thought it was going to be a month, and my man just dropped. I mean, you have no idea how excited I am. I mean, I am absolutely Fired up that Tom could be back on Monday. And you're, as a reminder, as soon as he comes back, Box Lunch will make its debut. That's a promise. Some people keep their promises. Some people don't. We've got to figure out which one Elliot is. Is he a man that keeps promises or not? Or you we'll find that. We'll find. We'll find that out. You could probably follow our social channels, and we'll, we will we will we will get to the bottom of it. But we are overdue, and we have a United Dairy Farmers cherry on top. For those that didn't see this, perhaps it was a long, long time ago, and you forget. But the truth is, is that it seems perfectly on topic for today. So without further ado, there you go. I am going Woo! to send it to our man Joakim Noah on Cleveland. Ohio, somewhere where Elliot Rearing might just be in a short six hours. I don't know about this place, man. I just stayed in my hotel room, man. Every time I look out my window, it's, it's pretty depressing out here, man. It's bad. It's bad. So you don't, you're not going out? <laughs> no. No going out in Cleveland, man. It's all factories. Do you regret anything that you said about Cleveland? Not at all. You like it? You think... Cleveland's cool. I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. I mean, what's so good about Cleveland? Have you ever been booed as much in your life? Yeah. When more than this? I was booed a lot. My whole life I've been booed. College, I was getting booed a lot. Boston, they don't like me over there. And uh, they don't like me over here either. It's okay. I have one. So Elliot has that to look forward to in Cleveland. A rave review from Joe Keem Noah. We'll be back here tomorrow better than ever. Why? Because we do this show every single day. Monday through Friday from 10 to 12. Which means we'll be back here Eastern Standard Time. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a lovely rest of your day. I don't there will not be any rain. I don't you heard it at 11. I don't want to go. Paper chasing. Take care, everybody. I don't want to.